0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: Morning, all. Just staying with some uh, traffic. Uh, Vic gave me her notes from breakfast this morning. Two car crash in Waterfall, she was saying. The Cross River Ferry was suspended this morning due to fog. A three car accident at the bottom of the slip by from Little Island to the tunnel. Um, People are reporting lots of cyclists and electric scooters on the roads uh, with no lights, no high vis, and dressed in black. I mean, that's just a crash and an accident. Um, in the making and then dense fog all morning people reporting dense thick fog see one here saying dense thick fog around Cork City this morning the airport seems to be grand says Michael who was travelling up there from Carrick Navarre, but bumper to bumper. And unfortunately, I see a lot from this morning's breakfast show saying uh, turn on your lights um, because it makes all the difference. So a busy morning traffic-wise. Uh, a, a busy, busy day yesterday in the courts of Ireland. You had the, as they call him, this morning in the sun, the twisted Yusuf. Pilani, jailed for life yesterday for brutally murdering two gay men. He said apparently the 23-year-old that he heard voices telling him to end the lives of Aidan Moffat and Michael Schnee in Sligo last year. A gay hate serial killer jailed for life front of the sun today with a mirror saying coward and a monster, a homophobe, who murdered two men, has been sent down. Um, uh, the, the, actually, one of the papers this morning, uh, the star quotes Pelania saying that he said to Gardy, i I'd have kept on killing if they didn't catch me. Uh, I won't go into the brutal detail of what he did to the, these two men and what he did to their bodies, but the papers do talk of uh, dismemberment uh, this morning, and it's awfully, awfully sad. Crazed killer, targeted gay men, uh, due to a uh, gay hatred, apparently. So there's quite some detail the inside pages then regarding that in all of the papers this morning but mysteriously uh, when Guardian Detectives went to his place of abode um, they came across a mystery in the shape of 357,000 euro in cash hidden in his home in the home of the double murderer Youssef Palani. where did he get 357,000 euro apparently in denominations of 500 euro bills and 200 euro banknotes found hidden in bags and cluttered bedrooms of the 23-year-old's home. I mean, that's a bizarre twist to the story, isn't it? Now, um, also in our courts at the moment is Josef Pushka, uh, the murder accused. Uh, of course, he denies the murder, uh, and we are hearing lots of evidence from witnesses and people who are on the towpath, either walking or jogging, Uh, or, you know, out with friends and that continued in court yesterday because they have incredible amounts of C. pardon me, CCTV from all over the area not just in and around the towpath itself but all over uh, the Tullamore not limited to the canal so I'll have more on the Ashlyn Murphy um, trial a little later on this morning but one that I was reading in quite some detail last night, perhaps you're aware of it is the takeaway driver Worked as a takeaway driver. Um, He picked up this woman um, and and she actually thought he was a taxi and uh, she was quite happy and relieved to get a taxi. But... He wasn't. Um, and he brutally, sexually assaulted the woman who got into his car, as they say, thinking that it was a taxi. He got a 19-year prison sentence. A fellow by the name of Livio Tenai. He drove the woman to a dark, isolated location before attacking her. Now, I'm reading from this morning's mirror, but I was reading a lengthy court report last night where when she got into the car, thinking it was a taxi, she gave him details of where she lived. But he wasn't taking that route. And she asked him, you know, what's going on? This is not the way. And he said, I'm taking you home. She knew then that she was in big, big trouble. Um, it's awfully, awfully tragic that she went through a shocking, brutal sexual assault and rape. So the court heard also, interestingly, that Tanea uh, was handed a 20-year sentence in Spain in 2006 for a similar sexual assault but some way through the sentence in spain he was repatriated to romania in 2010 to serve out the sentence and he got released in his home country of romania in 2015 now what does he do next he comes to ireland to work may have spent some time in the uk and then came to the republic via northern ireland apparently so again you've got to ask the question of checking on people's criminal past. Um, Meanwhile, of course, uh, I had a trip down to Middleton yesterday afternoon uh, to visit the Middleton Hub and to check in with the businesses and just get a sense of the recovery, um, which is now the latest phase they're in, trying to get their businesses back up and running. I spent a couple of hours down there with Seamus yesterday. Uh, But the newspapers carry the story with regards to how much money will actually be available for the businesses in Cork. Not limited exclusively, I have to say, to Middleton itself. So the front of this morning's Echo says 70 grand is not enough. And it's quoting the uh, Chamber, Middleton Chamber of Commerce President Adriana Hagerty. And she's saying that 70 grand for businesses impact would not be enough for many of them. I was chatting yesterday with a gentleman who actually has um, a business in Middleton, I think he may have a few of them, but one of them in particular uh, and I don't have permission to tell you the business or the actual type of business that they, um, that they conduct, but he says, honestly heart, hand on heart I have already done calculations to stock that had to be thrown out um, and also damage to the premises and it's already standing at 94 thousand euro, he told me Yesterday afternoon, so I'll have some more on that because the examiner this morning, and I spoke, of course, yesterday morning with with Simon Coveney. And while he didn't say it's an open checkbook, he says that it's constantly under review, and he will be bringing uh, more of the detail to cabinet this morning. But the examiner is saying that businesses um, damaged by Babette could receive up to a hundred thousand in payments as part of proposals set to go to cabinet today. There are another couple of payments, you know, of the the quick payment of five grand, and then the twenty grand. This other one for 100 grand would also be running alongside the 25 grand. So it could be 100 to 125 grand. So uh, more on that, as I say. Do you know the old tax office, the old revenue commissioners uh, on Sullivan's Key? It has sat there. Hasn't it sat there like for... Years and years now. Would it be 10, maybe 15 years? Uh, I'm probably maybe over-egging the pudding there, but certainly a long, long time. Well, there's planning permission there, or at least there was, for a hotel and office development. Would you believe that has now lapsed? Now, the former tax office on Sullivan's Quay was earmarked for mixed-use development by BAM properties. Um, they were granted conditional planning in 2017. It it is, it is run out, um, and it's a story making the echo today because... Like, it's an awful shame that the site is just sitting there in a time of awful need. Now, it's absolutely blank, vacant, empty. So Dan Boyle of the Green Party says, this is so frustrating to see a site like that, a prime site, just sitting there on Sullivan's Quay. So there's talks now that in the interim period, surely something like a car park would be a good idea. And so say all of us, because right now it's just there, boarded up and doing nothing at all. Papers also today in the Independent talks about something that I think many, many families and homes in Ireland can relate to. And it is the homes in Ireland that have lived with a problem drinker. There is a study, according to the independent this morning, and Alcohol Action Ireland uh, is part of it, where they say that one quarter of Irish homes has a problem drinker. Uh, Nearly one million people when you look at the, you know, the population of Ireland and divide it by four. So nearly one million people lived with a problem drinker as a child and grew up in a home where there was a problem with drink uh, and it impacted uh, on their on their families. Uh, I will come back to this. Uh, I'm keen to talk to Dr. Richard Hogan, who has a, a new book out at the moment, and it's been put forward for many different awards. It's called Home is Where the Start Is. It's a cracking book and well worth reading. So I will be talking to him in the in the coming days, perhaps early next week. But they're saying, they're saying now Alcohol Action Ireland, they're hosting a series of events. It's the Silent Voices Initiative. And they just want to highlight the lasting impact growing up with the problem drinker can have on young people into adulthood. So that's a story that I would love to come back to and get your thoughts on it and, and your experiences. But in, in lighter news this morning, um, and, and this is interesting because many people are, are struggling to put the lights on and put the heating on. But there's a story in the Sun this morning that says the people are more than likely now as we head up to half term or midterm to be taking a short haul flight to Europe good luck to you if you are going for a bit of skiing or maybe taking a bit of kind of autumn early winter sun but if you're going with smallies and you know how they can kick off on airplanes they're saying that young kids on planes are most likely to have a tantrum 27 minutes and 48 seconds into the flight so each of the tantrums lasts on average 15 minutes and 6 seconds don't you just love the detail behind this We have a whole new generation of people now who plot their whole lives and they diarize everything for want of a better term and they've got everything written down and they plan out their day and their week and their meals and everything and good luck to them. They've got that kind of structure in their life. But now we know of the length of time of a kid's tantrum. If you didn't know before, it's 15 minutes and six seconds, particularly when it comes to um, flying on an airplane. So then they're trying to give people um, advice as to how to minimise kids' Um, you know tantrums on airplanes and they say that the main reasons are there are four triggers sleepiness boredom hunger and noise what they don't mention at all is cabin pressure because i always remember that when my kids were very 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 small like tiny if you were on a flight and you i still see it to this day with other people with babies or toddlers or infants on plane planes as the planes are climbing because a lot of us kind of come push our nose and clear our nostrils and clear our ears kids can't do that i think that that's one of the biggest reasons that kids get very upset it's it's just pressure building up in their head um but anyway that's just my own thoughts but they're saying there's different recommendations then as to how you can um you know bust the ability for the kids to have a tantrum and i mean the more i look at it the more daft it sounds make sure they get asleep, make sure they're not bored, make sure they're not hungry, and minimize the noise with headphones. So, I pass it on for those of you that are heading overseas for midterm. But the world's oldest dog has died at the age of 31. And I love this story because way back in the day, a long, long time ago, um, in homes, in Cork, uh, certainly in the case of maybe the dogs that we had, the dog slept in the garage or the dog slept in the outhouse and the dog was just roaming around all day and did its own thing and came back when it was hungry and there was no collars and no dog ever had a lead on them yes indeed they pooed everywhere and there was no, absolutely no control over the mutt but that's the way it was back in the day and they ate the scraps off the table at home so whatever you were having for dinner all of the plates were piled up and everything was scraped onto one um, many of us didn't even have an official dog bowl and then the dog got the food everybody was happy so you weren't out there spending huge amounts of money in pet shops but anyway you get great advice in pet shops I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't visit all that's changed now with regards to the diet of dogs but I mention it because Bobby the world's oldest dog from Portugal has died at the age of 31 and lived on a human diet of scraps from the dining room table it was a very sociable creature apparently you know his lifespan was also credited to the fact that he ate the family food, but he also lived in a very calm and peaceful environment, and he had the freedom to roam because they never once put him on a leash or a chain and fed him from the table. Your thoughts on that please text 0868 104 106 How old is your dog, and what you 're feeding the dog? Um, is it a very controlled diet, or is it as the villa says whatever you 're having yourself and talking about feeding people. I didn't get to this yesterday morning, but I've had it for a couple of days. In this crazy world that we live in, you've got to wonder if, you know, in the kitchen now, are we rearing generations of children into teens and adulthood who are shockingly poor in the kitchen with regards to cooking or prepping their own meals? We must be. Because by all accounts, Heinz now have released a recipe, a recipe for beans on toast. Because apparently, one in five people can't make beans on toast. Can you believe it? Could anything be more simple? But there you have it, nonetheless. And the recipe is: put bread in the toaster, shake the can of Heinz beans, then open the can. They probably should have another um, instructional manual as to how to open a can. So anyway, put the bread in the toaster, shake the can and open it. Heat, but don't boil, in a saucepan. I microwave the beans. <laughs> I'm too lazy to wash the pot. Heat, but don't boil the beans. Take out the toast. Put butter on toast. Pour beans on top of toast. Beans on toast. I mean... Like, what's happening to the world that we have to give a recipe for beans on toast? I mean, what else yeah. is next? Like the five stages to
2: boiling an egg? Well, you know, you've you've you said this the other day, right? And it made me think. Of I had
1: a Victor Meldrum. I went off on one. Yeah, yeah. I went off <laughs> on oh, one.
2: It's okay. That's. Uh, I mean, in fairness, if you can't make beans on toast, I, I like. <laughs> I mean, just stick to the what microwavable th- meals then, in that case. You know, if you're really that stuck for cooking for yourself, just.
1: Are there people out there that see a can of beans and say, what
2: do you. What, what do you. <laughs> like. Uh, what's. Uh, 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 pouring it on their face. Uh, so or, uh, do you eat those cold or. Some people do. Do you put them in a salad or. Wash out the tomato sauce. See yeah. that story you did They're yesterday?
1: Like you. Um, the Marks and Spencer story. Oh, yeah. Where, well, wow. Tell, tell us about Emma
2: Rock. She went oh shopping God. with her daughter. Go on. Um, uh, yeah, I wish I had the paperwork to hand when you asked me anyway, that now, yeah. so you would have been Just a much better person it. to explain it. But basically, she went out shopping with the daughter the other day. They were making a Christmas cake, and she uh, went and picked up some ingredients for the Christmas cake as you would, so things like raisins and cranberries and mixed fruits. Mixed fruit,
1: cranberries,
2: apricots, sugar.
1: blueberries, light butter in a tub, bag of brown sugar, toasted Californian almond flakes in a bag, you know, the little plastic yeah. bags, and raisins in a little plastic bag. Yeah. So she
2: had all of the in their individual plastic bags. Go on, yeah. So she she brought them home and she must have had a, an inkling because she must have felt the bags and thought this, this isn't as, as heavy as I, I would have otherwise thought. And you know when it comes to a recipe, like some people are very, like I'm not like that at all, I just throw everything in and I kind of eyeball everything and, and try everything. But some people are very strict on the recipe, right? And everything has to be the perfect weight and the perfect... Oh, thing.
1: well, that's what you have the weighing scales for, pal. I know, but I, I,
2: right. I just, uh, you know, I'm the kind of person that just... You're a chucker. Yeah, I'm a chucker. Yeah, okay. I just throw it in, and I just see how it gets how we get on. I kind of like it. It means that every dinner is a little bit different. But uh, <laughs>
3: anyway, she decided to. Weigh so them. she
2: decided to weigh them, and what she found out was that what she was, what the bag was saying that she had, isn't anywhere near what she was actually getting. It was totally different.
1: So she weighed the mixed fruit and cranberries and apricots bag of same advertised on the packet as five hundred grams. But her weighing machine, which was a digital one, said 400 grams. Yeah. She weighed the blueberries, advertised as 100 gram weight and the bag, actually weighed 88 grams. She weighed the tub of light butter, advertised as a 250 gram tub, but was actually 202 grams. Just two or three more for you. The brown sugar bag was supposed to be 500 grams in weight, 383 grams. Yeah the Californian almond flakes should have been a 100 gram bag was 84 and the raisins were advertised at 500 grams but the weight of the bag was 461 then people said like I did your weighing scales Scale's are dodgy yeah
2: so what did she do? She, she she put up... I think she was... Uh, she used... At first she used a five-penny piece, which is supposed to weigh eight grams. She put it on the weighing scales. Eight grams, exactly. She put down... Then it was like a club milk kind of thing, which was 12 grams. 20 grams. Or 20 grams, yeah. sorry. And she put it on the scale, and it was 21 grams. Look, like with the packaging, it's an extra gram. Digital scale so, is enough. Bang on. What's Digital going scale, on? Bang on. I don't know. And you know what? It, it, like It's not like... And It's not like M&S aren't to a budget shop No, <laughs> you know what I mean Like no. If you're no. going to m s You kind of expect to get What you pay for Like Do you know You expect to get Something decent I'm sure the quality Of the stuff is very high But like That's going to ruin your recipe This is legit you know I mean?
1: This isn't one of these Fake posts that people Manufacture themselves and, and, no. and, and doctor No
2: No no I mean look Like it seems like All of the videos Are consistent Everything wow. is You know it, It's it's unbelievable And that's why When people commented On her scales She was She was saying, no, I've done the tests, the scales are absolutely perfect, we've reset it to zero every time, and this is what we're getting. And it makes you wonder, how...
1: How evident is this?
2: Yeah. Like, I'd love to know how often does this happen, and now that we're into the Christmas cake, Christmas pudding, baking season, I'd love to see people weigh I let's, don't let's
1: see people get, weigh what they get let's people really. listening to this radio programme to do their own little bit of research yeah. if you've got a bag or you know whether it's something for baking it primarily would be baking products wouldn't it but yeah, the others as well it
2: does loads of people love like uh, even we have a friend of ours who loves listening to the show and she bakes away while she listens to well, the show well if you've got anything in
1: the cupboard there that's unopened and it's packed in a plastic bag and it's probably dried fruit or maybe something to do with baking but not exclusively and you have a digital scale just throw it up on it and yeah. do a little bit of research for us and come back. So we'll get the
2: research done by the listeners to this programme and then text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero. Just on the baked beans thing before we finish because that's where we started. I just, I I, have a feeling that there's a kind of, do you know, there was things Fado, I wouldn't say fado, but before, where you kind of just you, everybody knew how to do those things, and now it's kind of like, well, you know, the new generation, they don't know how to do this and they don't know how to do that. But it's like you have to show people how to do something, but you can't just expect somebody to wake up in but the morning and be, be like, "I know how
1: Everybody's mother or father has
2: cooked the child beans on toast. Well, I mean beans on toasters, I think. I mean that's a staple. But like, I know somebody who can't. They they be kind of nervous of changing a light bulb, right? And you think, ah, that's like changing a light bulb. Is so easy, but if you if you don't know how to change a light bulb, everyone you,
1: should know how to change a light bulb. I agree. Change, change tire. a tire. Yeah. Change a plug.
2: Yeah, come on. But like, like this is the basics. I know, but you know, like changing a plug is a great example, right? If you're not sure how to do that, nobody has ever taught you to do that. Are you going to go at an electric plug?
1: Should no, I mean, no, I'm I'm saying people shouldn't. That's I'm saying. We're but they're I'm not, not saying you should caught. have a go. No. Like, you know, <laughs> suggesting that for a moment <laughs> just, yeah. anyway yeah. Get, de- get texting 0868104106 on the beans on toast story uh, bet you we can get some recipes for the best beans on I like to grill cheese first and then on, on the toast and then put the beans on toast on the beans on top but maybe your own thoughts maybe a little bit of Worcester sauce on top of that as well uh, grated cheese even uh, text 0868104106 calls on the way
4: this is the Neil Prenderville show
1: Text
4: and
1: WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gork's Red FM. And get involved in the conversation. Yesterday afternoon, I travelled down to Middleton spent some time with Bunny and all of the volunteers at the Middleton Hub. And boy, were they distributing. They actually were telling me that they thought there might be people calling for a day or two in the aftermath of the flooding. But people are still calling every single day. And they have all these bags packed with food, stuffed and dry goods and loads and loads of bottled water. It's incredible the response of the local local community isn't exclusively just uh, Lidl and Tesco. Other businesses are also bringing things to the Middleton Hub, as indeed are members of the community itself. And then around the corner from the Hub, they have another separate, um, or very very well organised, almost in military fashion, the bagging of sand in sandbags. And then people are coming along and they're loading up the sandbags, the volunteers are filling them, and they're taking them away to protect their properties in the event of anything else happening. Anyway, sandbags are ha- are, are handy to have Right across the winter, so they may not need them now, but they will need them. Perhaps, fingers crossed, not, not with any devastating damage. But perhaps in the future. And then at a very lengthy walk around all of Middleton, the side streets, the main streets, went up as far as, as Super Value to uh, to see the the damage there and, and back down. It would appear to me that um, the lower part of the town um, um, suffered an awful lot more in my eyes than the upper part, but it wasn't exclusive to the to the down part, the the, the lower part. Uh, of the main street areas of Middleton a lot of businesses have managed to open but there are others then that are still in there and some of the businesses are completely empty inside an awful lot of dehumidifiers inside in the buildings there's all sorts of different trades in there some of electricians in, others have carpenters in actually at the Middleton hub there were different trades people came down from other parts of the country to help would you believe that? from the Midlands, from Dublin, from up in Galway all came down to give of their time and they were busy there Uh, so you have... uh, shops then, of course, who are really and truly struggling at this stage financially to try and work out how, in the name of God, they're going to pay for all of this. And this is an ever-moving feast with regards to the amount of money that 's available, but I did read in the echo this morning um, that um, you know there could be some updates in this regard with regards to the amounts of money that could be available. seventy grand is certainly not enough. it could be as high as one hundred grand we 'll know more from Simon Coveney, uh throughout the course of today. but I did read that the Middleton Chamber of Commerce president Adriana Hagerty has said that the seventy k scheme for businesses just won't be enough and I told you of the chap that I met yesterday who was saying I can categorically say at this stage because I've costed it, uh, I'm, I'm 94 grand in the hall before I ever open the doors again, Adriana joins me by phone, Adriana good morning
5: Good morning Good morning. Uh,
1: so um, you, you, you've done the maths or, or spoken to businesses, is that the case to say that 70 grand won't be enough, it'll have to be more than that
5: Yeah it is alright for some businesses and they're happy enough the smaller businesses, but not larger businesses like pharmacies, restaurants, furniture shop it it will not cover them
1: yeah, if you look at a pharmacy or anybody that's involved in medicine or medical issues like that, all of that stock, very expensive, all had to be disposed of didn 't it responsibly? You could not sell it
5: no way, no way, and it went off out the door as well a lot of it it, it washed out it was it was so forceful. You know, even with the hairdressers, all the bleach, everything went out, it flew out the door.
1: So are you expecting that Simon Coveney will announce an increase for businesses, as you say, that need it up to maybe a hundred grand today?
5: Yes, I feel he will. Yes, he, he has been down in Middleton himself. They've all walked Middleton. They have seen it with their own eyes. They know and they've talked to every business. And they will, they have to do it, they know they do, but it's how quickly they do it. It has to happen fast.
1: Can I ask you, has any money been paid out as of yet?
5: No. Okay. No.
1: Okay. No. And do you know anything about like businesses will have to assess the damage and they probably have done that already, but there must be some sort of independent agency that comes in to actually audit and agree on a figure, is there?
5: Well, I know the last time when one of the restaurants had to do it, they paid an assessor five thousand to assess the damage, so that fee in itself is is very big, so something would have to be done, some sort of a grant. People cannot afford an assessor.
1: but who yes, would it be? would it be Would it be their insurance company? I know they're not covered for it, but would See, they? They're not
5: covered It would just it'd be an independent assessor you know.
1: So that would be like, say, for an independent loss adjuster who would come in. And our business, have they done that already or are they doing
5: that? Some of them have. But to be honest with you, Neil, people are, we're so bogged down with cleaning, um, washing, cleaning, trying to keep, just to get their premises clean, that they haven't had time. You know, I spoke to one lady yesterday and her car is still at the back of her building because she hasn't had time even think about the car because it's been so vast everything she has had to do
1: that's another very interesting point actually because it did see an awful lot of damage to cars some of them totally submerged one wonders whether they're covered by their car insurance policy if they even Uh, have you're
5: covered yeah you're fully you're covered if you're fully comprehensive but some people are not so that's uh, that's another problem
1: Yes, and yesterday at the Middleton Hub, one item that I saw there in spades, I mean, I'm talking about loads and loads and loads of it, bleach, parazone and bleach. And that's why you're yeah. saying that people need that to literally clean the walls, the floors. Oh,
5: it's filthy, it's filthy, yes. Yeah, the water is just, it is a worry for E. coli and things like that. But, you know, that's, yeah, You the waterways they'll have to look at at doing water tests and things like that as well. Um, I see
1: see in the echo this this morning, you were talking about, um, is is there a shortage of tradespeople? Are are businesses struggling to get the electricians, the plumbers, the carpenters?
5: No, luckily enough, a lot of local plumbers, they've all come forward, carpenters, they've dropped other jobs to go and get stuck in and help people. I was talking to a builder last night and he was putting all his other work aside and he's going down this morning to tile a house from the whole ground floor. And that's the other thing. People living in homes very close to the river, they have to look at now, they're not going to put in a wooden floor, they're not going to carpet, they have to look at redesigning what you know, what they're going to have to do around I, the flood, you're, you know.
1: You're very right there. I was talking to some homes yesterday on the air and they don't have wooden floors or carpets downstairs at all. Everything is tiled. Yes. Because they, And
5: one lady, yeah, she took off her skirting boards about a, a couple of days later and the water just gushed out of the skirting and she couldn't believe it.
1: Behind the skirting. Now, um, the skirting uh, the skirt. uh, why am yeah. I hearing about low-cost loans are you aware that Microfinance Ireland can give a low cost is that may up to 25 grand? is that to yeah. tide people over
5: Yes but the banks the local banks have, have already um, offered loans as well you know the, the the you know the banks in Middleton have called to the traders and have spoken to them about interest only loans and I do believe that the banks are inundated with people in, you know, living in in homes, looking for, you know, that they need a break on their mortgages to repay mortgages. I
1: hope that the banks can find a way to make that happen for them as they try and and find a way to live
5: in their homes. You know, we all pay rates as well. So the rates bill that you pay as a trader on Main Street, Middleton, it is very expensive. So the county council has have, have said, look, people can go individually to speak about their rates. So there's a possibility that maybe they can defer rates for
6: a while. Here's
1: one issue year. that I d- discovered chatting with people in Middleton yesterday. They said that with regards to the damage to their homes, any any money that they could potentially get from Heather Humphrey's department is means tested.
5: Yes, that's correct. Is that fair? Yeah, but- Mm, No, because people that have... One lady that I know, she already... This is her second flood damage and she has had to do everything. And she said, I'm not going to get anything because I have a good job. So if I'm means-tested, I'm not going to get it. I think that
1: that's very unfair. Firstly, they can't get the flood insurance and they would take it if they could get it. And secondly, it wasn't of their making. And thirdly, it's possibly because of, um, you know, the dragging of feet for the last eight years with regards to a a flood plan. So it's awfully sad that people have to pay.
5: Yeah, and that's the shocking part that it has taken eight years to do a study on the flood defence in Middleton. That's the the part that is hard to take. And I know they've come up against lots of planning issues. You know, um, people, I suppose you've got all these different organisations Objecting, But that's something now it has to, because you're up
1: against the system then. Adriana, it hasn't even got that far yet where people could even object. We're not even at that stage, which is bizarre in itself. Um, I I do know that with regards to the um, means testing, um, you would get it if you're means tested. You would get it if you are a couple, say, as an example, with a combined income of 90,000. But anything over that, you'd have to pay for it yourself. They're, I suppose they're saying that anybody with a combined income of ninety thousand is comfortable enough to pay for their own home repairs.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's not fair, especially when you, this is your second time around.
1: Will Middleton, will Middleton just find it? Will Middleton try and power back for the Christmas? What oh, are the plans? You,
5: definitely, definitely. We are a fantastic town. I'm sure you noticed that when you were doing your walk around totally yesterday, did. but yeah, yeah. you know they're they're very very resilient, and the local community are absolutely amazing, fantastic. So it is open for business. It definitely, we you know we want to get that out there. You know people have started up again, and and they're fighting back. Do you
1: finally? I mean this sincerely. Finally, do you think that people who shop, right, customers? will look differently now at local businesses and think, you know, they are important. What would life be like without a main street? And do you think they might be encouraged now to actually shop more local?
5: 100%. They've been so good and so kind. Uh, and I am getting offers from everywhere, people wanting to come down from Corps. Yes, I believe they will. OK, it's OK. It's a great
1: town, yes. Yeah. OK, well, um, and as the days and weeks go by, more and more business will be back in action. Thank you so much, Adriana. That's Adriana. Um, my apologies. Uh, our lines are open on 0818104106 Adriana Hagerty, the auctioneer, and also from um, Middleton Chamber of Commerce. Jim, good morning. Neil, you, boy. hold on one second, pal. I just want to take a quick ad break.
4: <laughs> talk to Neil Prenderville
1: now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Uh, I want to talk with... Uh, I'll come back to you <laughs> later on this morning. I just want to talk to Mar- Marcin Kozlowski. He joins me by WhatsApp. Marcin, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. You have uh, a lot of worry on your hands these days with regards to your lovely son, Casper, um, notwithstanding that you were also caught in your home in Willowbank, flooded last week and all of the downstairs destroyed. Isn't that right? uh, Everything, yeah. We lost everything, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I'll come back to that aspect in a moment, but tell me about your son, Casper. Uh, What I can tell you. He's battling battling cancer. How long?
7: uh, Two and a half years ago. Um, he just uh, jumped on the trampoline. And uh, he hurt on the, his leg. He hurt his leg. Mm. Yeah, we didn't know what's what happening. We went to a GP. GP sent us to uh emergency mm. to the SUH. And they diagnosed their. Uh,
1: osteosarcoma and um, bone cancer yeah what devastating news for you and for Casper at the age of 12 I mean you must have just been in absolute disbelief and shock yeah it was yeah and did he then go through a lot of chemotherapy sessions was he he in the children's hospital one and a half year yeah in, in the Children's uh, Hospital, Cromlin?
7: Yes, in the Cromlin, yeah. We we went over the, um, every week. Through the week we we went on the Sunday, we back on the Thursday or Wednesday and we back again. It was a depends uh, how much uh, he had uh, this uh, chemotherapy in his uh, his blood, you know. It was a dependency. So sometimes it was one day more, one day less. Okay, okay. But... But that, that treatment had, went uh,
1: on for like it, a year and a half, perhaps, a little less than a year and a half. It
7: was only a chemotherapy. He yeah. had a one, two, three, four, five, six, six uh, surgeries.
1: And was he improving, Casper? <laughs> Can you hear me, much You can explain me what is that? No, I'm saying. Yeah, do, I do, can hear. Yeah. With regards to all of the surgeries and the chemotherapy sessions, was he improving? Was he getting any better? Did you have hope? Uh, we have only hope <laughs>
7: <laughs> because it's a it's a kind of a the worst uh, cancer, what you can get, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
7: Because from the from the bones, it's a Spread it on the on the lungs, from the lungs on the muscles now.
1: And were you recent? Casper's fifteen now. Um, was it fifteen? Yeah. What, was it recently the condition? Was it um, prognosed as being terminal?
7: Uh, you know, that what is it? True, nobody. Nobody can tell you what's happened next because any doctors, nobody knows what's happened next. No. Oh, listen. There's always we- no. No. Nobody can tell you. Okay, will will every, everything will be okay? Nah, no.
1: No. Nah. <laughs> oh no! Listen. There's always hope. You're absolutely right. Um, and of course you 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 can only live with hope. um It's just that sometimes they will say to you as to you know what the prognosis will be. Have they given hope?
7: Um, I don't know <laughs> nobody give us no then they can't tell you, you know it's a really true. It's life, you know. We can expect the worst, you know. He sleeps a lot now, does he, Casper? Yeah, yeah. He's on the uh, strong painkillers.
1: And this he blots. Yeah, he could be sleeping 20 out of every 24 hours, apparently. Is that right?
7: Yeah, yeah.
1: Must be awfully sad. You must feel terribly helpless as a parent, though. Yes, it's true. Yeah.
7: Now I know that the. You know, he was he was really really energy boy. Uh, he was a GAA in Middleton. He played it on the Carling. Uh, yeah. in the school everywhere.
1: Yeah. Have you other children as well, Marcin? Yes, we have a daughter, eh? Yeah, Yeah. 11 Casper, years old. Ca- Casper's the older brother to his sister then?
7: Uh, He's older, yeah. So she has 11.
1: <sighs> I know that there have been a lot of community involvement in Middleton with regards to fundraisers. It, it's brilliant. Jesus Christ uh, it's brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, you know? Yeah,
7: yeah. Without them... Will be, I don't know
1: where. You know what I mean? I do. I mean, it's 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 some consolation to you that people are thinking of uh, you. We
7: have every day every every day we have our food, you know, hot food, everything. Yeah. Well, you know, the tea, coffee wherever yeah, you want.
1: You know the recent flood. Um, oh, did that destroy the downstairs of your home? <laughs>
7: You know I know I know that the lots of people is uh, in the same situation, you know what i mean
1: oh yes but uh, Cas- but, but we, are, is
7: we are afraid we are afraid about a, about a hit because, you know the smell of the dump Jesus Christ, yeah. it's a terrible yeah he can breathing you know the the dust because we cut everything we can go the floors uh.
1: And he's upstairs. Is Casper? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he would be very, very weak and prone to all sorts of infections and things. So, yeah. But but was everything wiped out? All all of your your kitchen, all your equipment, all of your furniture, all your white goods?
7: Nothing. No, no, nothing left. No.
1: <laughs> so you all up? Are you all living upstairs then? Upstairs. Yeah. No, no,
7: we're working downstairs, you know, but we're living upstairs.
1: <laughs> so did you have to throw out everything downstairs? Yeah. And how are you managing to to to, to cook and things like that and even heat the home? Uh, the, the, the,
7: the, uh, the people from the Middleton, the bringing, they've got food, you know, every day. Coffee, tea, whatever.
1: And is the heating on all of the time? The heating is uh,
7: 24 hours, and I'm afraid it about the cost of the heating because we have to uh, dry the wall, you know, drying the wall, the floors, to put something new.
1: I understand why you would be worried about the bill. I understand. And uh, if
7: I can tell you a truth, I was in the uh, doll office. In the Middleton, I get a uh, 680 euro and that's it I don't know, it's for two days of the heating
4: oh
1: listen 680 euro might sound like a substantial amount a week but not if you have the heating on (laughs) 24-7
7: exactly yeah
1: it it wouldn't be long being eaten away I can tell you but like you know with regards to Casper does he get up any out of the bed now or is he able to have a meal or eat or is he on special foods
7: no, 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 no. yeah, He have a special food, what he like, you
1: Yeah. Yeah, but would he be on a special diet because of his cancer? No, 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 no. And does he try to stay as positive as he can? I mean, he's only 15. It's a lot for him to carry.
7: He have 15, but... uh He going through uh that many problems he fifteen but he's his, his mentally it's uh,
1: like a uh 30 he's ma- he's, 40, matured, you know? he's matured way longer than his years yeah yeah, yeah.
7: so, so he forget it about his uh, childhood
1: you know I always well i mean of course because he didn't he hasn't had some of the most no, important no. years you know as as a, a twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old, fourteen, fifteen. I hope the prognosis is good. You know, I I I know that you worry that you know that that he won't improve. It must be an awful thing to live with. And I don't know how you manage.
7: I say it's a really, really, really hard. You know, <laughs> I can well imagine, uh, especially with him. Especially with him. You know, he's uh... Jesus man. I don't know how to. How to explain, you know? Nobody who never been in this situation do not know.
1: <sighs> I know. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's really, yeah. You would feel, why me? Why us? Why my son?
7: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, we have only friends and the neighbors. We are from the Poland, uh, and all the family is outside the border. It's in the Poland. Yeah, we that exactly. We don't we don't have nobody who can uh, help us. You know, lots of us uh, neighbors uh, they living now under his family, somewhere under I don't know uh, parents,
1: grandparents. You know. Does do Casper's friends stay in touch with them? Uh,
7: yes, 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 yes. Some some some, some friends. Yes.
1: Okay, okay. Um, I, I know it would be a wonderful thing um, if perhaps there were people listening to us now that could help with regards to replacing everything that you have lost, because this ha- needs to happen quite quickly for you. With Casper upstairs, very very unwell. You know, um, living with, with mm. cancer, and who know who knows what the future will bring. But but in the meantime, you need to try and put your home around you. What what what? I, I'm asking you this now, so feel free to answer. What do you what do you need?
0: <laughs>
7: you know, this is very hard to get somebody to. i uh, uh, <laughs>
1: I know you, know, you, I know you don't want to ask or feel as if you're looking for charity, but no, pl- please, no, don't, no, please don't no, worry no, about no, that. No, no,
7: <laughs> Now that's... If you want to tell a true... Everything. <laughs> I know,
1: I know. It must be hard for you to take it all in, particularly with the worry regarding your son, but you certainly are looking at everything and anything that one would put into a kitchen... Everything and anything that one one might put into a sitting room or a dining room or a hallway, you know. Um, we
7: lost. We lost. We, we have nothing, you know. We 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 keeping the boots on the on the stairs. There was everything in the skip.
1: Everything went in the skip. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So anything that people might have that they would typically think would go into the downstairs of a house, whether it's the kitchen, the living room, the sitting room, the hallway. What are your floors like now?
7: We don't have the floors. If we have our concrete. <laughs> what, what did you have? Was
1: it carpet? Not a good idea. Uh, we,
7: had, uh, we have the t- tails on the, on the kitchen. Piles, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the panels in the living room, uh, the carpet on the, uh, the hall. And the stairs and the upstairs. And we dumped everything because it's a uh, sinking, you know, sink it. The water is gone. Yes, I know. And the water it was a uh, Jesus Christ. Oh, dark, oh,
1: oh. dark.
7: Dark. Everything what is on the what this what was on the fields. Well from the I, that, yeah, yeah. everything go
1: down. That would be from the river, of course. It would be very brown, but yeah. it, there's also the worry that there might have been raw sewage in it. So
7: Exactly, yeah, about uh, uh,
1: some chemicals, you know. So a child like Casper with bone cancer, I, I'm wondering, is that the best place for him to be right now?
7: No, um, bones, uh, the, the world the problem now is lungs.
1: And his, because it has gone to his lungs, but would he be better yeah, in a, in a hospital for now until the home is put right?
7: Hospital? No way. He don't want to go to the hospital. He you to know. stay at home.
1: Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Listen, I, I know that there are people listening to this will want to help um, and to offer things that you perhaps might need. Um, to put your home back together again so you can concentrate on your time with your beautiful son um, so you're you're happy to take anything if people feel that they can spare it and you can use it absolutely yeah okay okay perhaps maybe even some help with your heating bill because that's going to be pretty astronomical you know how to you know how to apply don't you to get money from the Department of Social Welfare extra funding for the home you know how to do all of that
7: No, I don't know.
1: No, no. You don't? Okay. Okay. No. Okay, well, I'm going to put you back on hold so it can be explained to you the number that you need to call for that, okay? And, and I'll yeah, give out no, some more details me. and information after 10 o'clock. I'll talk with you again, Marcin, but I just want to see, um, you know, what might be available for you there from people who are listening, who might like to help you put your home back together again so you can spend your time with your son and that your family can spend very important time together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's okay, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we'll chat, we'll chat again. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for now. It's awfully, awfully sad. Uh, I know that you guys will find it as very sad as I do. And if there's anybody can help, please get in touch. Text 86 8104 and we'll pick up on the conversation after 10. Now show red fm text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 a lot of texts already this morning on different topics which i will come back to but i just want to stay listen if you can help with regards to the appeal that we gave out on air just a, a few moments ago an awfully sad story uh, young casper kozlowski uh, from middleton uh, went through all sorts of surgery and chemotherapy uh, he was uh, diagnosed with uh, bone cancer that is now Spread sadly to his lungs and to his muscles, um, and his dad was on with me this morning, obviously telling about um, all of that and the worry, um, you know, and the, the not knowing what the coming weeks and months might have with regards to his his very serious condition. Uh, but on top of that, then the house got absolutely trashed. Uh, by the flood and the whole downstairs is destroyed um, and we're asking people if they would like to help it would be a wonderful thing for them to try and get their home back together again as soon as possible so you're looking at everything and anything that would be in the downstairs of a house certainly with regards to anything in the kitchen and all of the different kitchen appliances and I'll put a, we're actually putting together a full list but if you can typically think of a downstairs house and what would be needed in it that's basically what's needed by the Kozlowski family at this stage in Middleton, um, so please, if you think you can help, then text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We have a terrific community spirit on Lee side, uh, and we have never been let down when asking for the generous support of the public. But meanwhile, with the different payments and relief schemes that are in place, okay, and we're expecting more news this morning uh, from, of course, uh, Simon Coveney, that it could be upwards of 100,000 for businesses now meanwhile uh, families of course have a, a different fund and a dis- different system to go through one similarity between the business funding and indeed the uh, home funding for people's homes and damage there would be having it assessed uh, and certainly with the home's means tested uh, but how do you get all of that done um, you know who are you supposed to turn to and say can you come in and assess the damage that's happened in my home i have home insurance but it doesn't cover flood insurance jim flannery joins me uh, he's a claims insurer adjuster with omc claims so jim thank you so much for taking the call good morning to you oh, good morning Neil. Where, where to begin on this like um l- let's start with homes if you don't mind and and you know of issues regarding insurance companies not covering flood, right?
8: Yes, well, that is the the tragedy of the whole insurance situation in Ireland where once a a property has been flooded or, or is in an area that is prone to flooding, insurance companies exclude flood cover. So to me, it's almost like giving everybody an umbrella, but taking it away from those who need it most.
1: An umbrella that doesn't work, if you like. I mean, it's it's not unlike huge areas, particularly here in Cork, that can't get full cover for things like, say, for instance, subsidence. But that's for another day. So people now realize that um, there are funds available. But first up, they have to get through the hurdle of assessing the damage, is it, Jim?
8: Yeah, absolutely, and and we have people on the ground uh, in Cork since last week since this happened, um, uh, whereby we will go in, take a full inventory, document everything that is is uh, lost or damaged, uh, um, in from contents to the building itself, uh, what what needs to be repaired and, and taken out and, and reinstated, um, and we put together a full inventory of, of a statement of claim. Uh, which can be used to negotiate with the insurance company.
1: Have you any information that you can share with us with regards to how much damage you're finding has been caused? Is there any kind of average figure?
8: Well, it's 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 difficult. Like when when an entire ground floor of a house has to be stripped out and and repairs put in place to the structure and replacement of all contents, it can very easily be at a hundred thousand in house.
1: So no fund for a family home
8: is going to go anywhere near that kind of money. No, no, absolutely not. Um, and this—that's the tragedy of it. I mean, you, you can listen to to that very sad story before the news of, of Casper. Um, but when when a situation arises uh, from from society point of view, we shouldn't have to rely on charity mm. and and, uh, and humanitarian aid that the, that government ministers. Um, put forward every time there is a disaster like this uh, somewhere around the country uh, um, uh, people relying on, on the, the, the generosity of, of, of charity uh, effectively Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Oh, I know, I know, you know it, it but it, but I don't know what other answer there is insurance companies mine their profits right, they're in the business of right. making money, so that's why they preclude flood because they're saying we can't cover flood, there's a very good chance it'll flood and we'll lose money
8: Mm -hmm. well I think in in the UK in 2017 um, the government in the UK put together uh, with all of the major insurance companies that operate in the UK a mandatory flood cover uh, part funded by the government and part funded by all of the general insurance companies that operate in the UK whereby flood cover is available to everybody Um, and I think in Ireland, people wouldn't mind if there was an extra 2 or 3% on every policy, provided insurance companies were not allowed to exclude flood cover. So
1: in the UK, all of the insurance companies are obliged by law to give that cover, are they?
8: Well, it, it's, it's not that they're obliged by law. Um, the, the UK government set up a separate reinsurance company called Flood Re., and it is mandatory there to provide flood cover at uh, reasonable rate. Okay. So that is something everybody. that
1: should be very much pushed for here, then, because it clearly a Absolutely. system like that would work. But when you Absolutely. talk about a hundred thousand for a home, are you also yeah. are you saying that there would be structural damage as well as you know flooring well, and, and furniture storage.
8: and yeah, you know if. if, if we've all seen the pictures where where people are are waist high in water or or cars submerged so plasterboard or wall plaster and built in units uh, doors everything at that level and and water will soak up up to a metre above the the tide line let's say everything has to be stripped out back to bare brick and dried out Um, very often tiles come up you know it's it's just the entire ground floor needs to be reinstated
1: because I suppose any kind of natural product at all, even after it's dried out with humidifiers, they, they all buckle, don't they? A typical example would be every single door.
8: Yeah, um, yeah, we've all seen the the the, the color of the water, the brown mud that was washed in. Um, so that gets in behind plasterboard, it gets in behind door frames. You know, the, the wood will swell and buckle. Doors won't close. Um, so, it all needs to be stripped out and re- reinstated. And,
1: of course, also the electrical aspect, of course, that is a massive job in itself.
8: Absolutely. Now, electrics, it depends on, on whether they, the cabling comes down from the ceiling above or whether it's under the floor and comes up to sockets. But, yeah, every every light switch, every socket that's submerged absolutely has to be replaced. Okay, and so if, they you're
1: at, if you're looking at 600 homes and businesses, say, in the greater area of Middleton, um, like, are there enough loss adjusters on the ground now? Did I hear in the news a while ago that they're they're just you know totally well, backed yes, up and can't gets, get to people? When
8: when it gets into a surge like this, obviously there are delays. But the insurance industry uh, has shown over the years to be capable of putting boots on the ground and getting to everybody as quickly as possible. Um, it, there will obviously be delays with the with the, with the amount of, of properties that need to be inspected.
1: I was looking this morning because I know we'd be asked these kind of questions. I was looking at the citizens information uh, website where they were talking about people in homes that if you know, if you you, you go to, say, for instance, your local welfare service office, for instance, and you must bring with you evidence of household income like pay slips and things like that. You must go with an estimate for repairs or replacements. You have to bring them a copy of your insurance policy where it shows no flood cover. You have to bring all of the paid invoices and receipts with you and any other information that may support your claim. That would mean that, from that point of view, nothing is paid out until after the work is done or after the work is
8: assessed. Well, um, I'm not familiar with the the Red Cross uh, situation, how, how they deal with that and how they prove. But with insurance claims, we document the full thing and submit it and we can get an interim payment based on, on the uh, initial estimate, let's say. Um, but uh, And insurance claims yeah, are paid out generally before everything is, is, is incurred. Um, uh, well, so, I d- no, it's they- just that I
1: did hear that Simon Covey told me yesterday that some families have already received um, some help, financial help. I'm just wondering, what would they have had to prove to get that
8: money? Well, I don't know. Again, with the with the Red Cross, but you know, obviously. The government are well aware of the, the the areas, the streets, and the estates that are affected. So they know that that everything in a, in a, the ground floor of the property can be completely destroyed. I think the maximum they're handing out is five thousand euros, which yeah. wouldn't go very far anyway. Yeah. But it's assistance; it's, it's it's helping people to to buy the the basics or the necessities. But if, it,
1: if if it could be forty or fifty or eighty grand, you're suggesting maybe upwards of a hundred grand for a home. Mm-hmm.
8: Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're not yeah, well, then it needs to be fully documented and 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 uh, uh, costed. Yeah, the entire thing needs to be uh, um, assessed.
1: It's means tested as well. You know, combined income in the household has to be below ninety thousand. If it's above it, you're on your own.
8: You know, I mean, again, uh, which is inherently unfair because somebody on ninety thousand could have borrowings that would leave them with with. No more disposable income or no more ability to borrow more, more than somebody uh, who's on less than that. Totally. No yeah, they Do could be maxed out. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's inherently unfair. And well, again, people shouldn't have to be relying on, on, on charity or means test to, to be able to access okay. uh, the well, for We, we, we
1: goods. hope to get a final clarification of everything involved in this at some stage today from Simon Coveney. But you, you're also dealing with businesses. Are you dealing with businesses in Middleton?
8: Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And yeah. what kind we're, of costs are
1: they coming in at?
8: Oh, well, again, it ranges depending on the business and depending on the value of their fit-out and their stock. Um, you know, a, a hairdressers, let's say, who, who may have covered um, on this occasion wouldn't have a huge value of of, of stock and fit-out versus, uh, um, a, you know, a retail store that, that has you know, potentially hundreds of thousands worth of stock.
1: Could you know? so could it run to hundreds of thousands because you're of the inclusion of stock then in some businesses?
8: Absolutely it could, yeah. Yeah. Um again it depends on, on whether the, the shop owner or the, the the business owner is a tenant in the building and, and in which case they won't be responsible for the building repairs of the landlord. But it, and that all complicates the thing because neither may have flood cover and the tenant is reliant on the landlord to... to oh, that's to a nightmare, isn't yeah. it? That's it a is, it nightmare. It's all, it's all a complication.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll let you get back to it. It'd be interesting to stay in touch with you in the coming days and weeks to see how things are working out with the scheme. Is that okay with you? absolutely no problem okay my friend thanks for now jim flannery from omc claims and of course as i say across the day we'll have more clarification and final details as to what the payouts will be and what's involved and the amounts and the ceilings and the means testing that's just not just for businesses but also for families but if you are listening uh, and you have anything to offer in that regard or indeed if you have gone through the process or beginning to go through the process do get in touch please because it would help others Text 0868-104-106
4: Talk to Neil Prenderville now 818 Cork's
1: Red FM So more on that and lots more besides between now and midday but um, we have been following of course the uh, murder um, accused Yosef Pushka who's uh, before the courts um, pleading not guilty uh, to the murder of uh, Ashling Murphy. And the court case continues with witnesses uh, giving evidence over the last few days. Across that, on a daily basis, in court is uh, Frank Graney, who, who joins me by phone. Frank, good morning. Good morning uh, And I know because of issues in Middleton uh, over the last couple of days I haven't had an opportunity to stay in touch with you my, my apologies for that but uh, I think when, when we last spoke it was ahead of some of the earlier evidence of people, actually two primary school teachers uh, Jenna Stack and Eva Marin who were walking along the towpath on the canal on that afternoon on the, on the 12th of January mm. uh, Would that be a good place to pick up the story do you think because they, they both became quite concerned didn't they?
3: that's right um, both of them gave their evidence last week and the jury first heard from Jenna Stack who as you say had met her friend Eva Marin for a run along the canal um, at 10 past 3 on the afternoon of the 12th of January last year and as the jury has already been told by the prosecution it's believed that Ashley Murphy was killed uh, along the Grand Canal at half past 3 uh, that afternoon and uh, Jenna Stack in her evidence said that as they ran along the tarmac on the left-hand side of the canal, she said a bike with a luminous green handlebars caught her eye, as she described it as being pushed down in the hedgerow, at which she thought was odd. Uh, She said they uh, continued on their run and that maybe a meter or two beyond where the bike uh, was. She heard some rustling coming from the hedgerow. She said it sounded like uh, somebody was struggling. Uh, She said she stepped in closer. She started shouting into the hedge. She said the noise continued and she became quite frightened. Uh, She moved closer and she said that when she did, she saw the back of a jacket, uh, which she described as a navy padded jacket. Um, The man who was wearing it, she said, Um, was crouched over. Um, He turned around. She said that he was holding a person down and judging by the bottom half of that person's clothing, she figured it was a woman. Um, She said this man spoke to her in a foreign accent through gritted teeth. Um, He looked angry when he told her to go away. Um, She described the experience as terrifying. And when asked to describe this man, she said that he had a receding hairline with a shaved head, a dark stubble on his face, sallow skin and dark eyebrows and she said that the girl that she uh, saw beneath this man um she said that she was kicking out uh, like a scissors kick was how she described it kicking so hard she told the jury uh, she said that the man was still holding the girl down during this reaction she said that she thought that he was going to rape her um Eva Marin also gave evidence yesterday. Again, uh, a friend of Jenna Sachs who was also out for a, a run that day. Uh, according to her Garmin watch, she said they started their workout at 12 minutes past three uh, that afternoon. And she spoke about Jenna drawing her attention to the bike, which she too thought was, was strange. Um, she said she heard what sounded like branches breaking in the undergrowth just off the canal a crackling or a rustling noise was how she described quite close to where they saw the bike and she said that she saw a man with his head down and thought that he might have fallen into the ditch so she started shouting to see if he was okay and that uh, the reply that she got was okay, okay And um, she said she was moving up from the ditch or the man was moving up from the ditch and she thought that he was going to crawl out and come after them so she gave evidence of the two of them running away as fast as they could Um, to raise the alarm Um, she told the jury that she was looking over her shoulder as they ran away for fear that the man was was coming after them we heard that they met a couple of men from Waterways Ireland, Um, they met another man, a cyclist, Uh, that cyclist a man called Enda Malloy uh, cycle down to see if if he could see what was what was going on, and he was the one who uh, discovered what turned out to be Ashley Murphy's body in mm. that undergrowth, and he was also the person who made the call to Tullamore Garda station. Mm.
1: It's important to note also in the defence cross examination that the defence said that Yosef uh, Pushka was endeavouring to find out what had happened and was actually endeavouring to assist uh, Ashling. Uh, Murphy. Um, You spoke of the cyclist Enda Malloy, and that then led to Waterways Ireland workers giving evidence, and that then led to the arrival of the Garda Shekona,
3: wasn't it? Garda Tom Dunn was the first Garda to arrive. That's right. He, he was actually the one who took the phone call at Tullamore Garda station. He was in the public office that afternoon when he got what he described as a panicked phone call from, as it turns out, Enda Malloy. And he said that um, the caller wasn't making a whole pile of sense on the phone, but that he did manage to get his exact location. He went upstairs to the detective office. He told them what, uh, what he had been told over the phone. And three cars were then dispatched uh, from Tullamore Garda station to go to the scene uh that Tom done and his colleague were the first on the scene followed closely by the other two cars and we heard how they took turns um, doing CPR on uh, Ashley Murphy's body they um, described her as being down in that dense undergrowth they described seeing um, particular wounds to her neck um, an ambulance was on the way um, we heard evidence from the paramedics who arrived at the scene and described um, bringing Ms Murphy's body up to the Tarmacaddon Path so that they could um, work more efficiently on her. One of the paramedics gave evidence of going back to the ambulance to retrieve a life pack, which we heard had a defibrillator on it, as well as a number of diagnostic tools, and that before they began to administer the defibrillator, they ran some diagnostics and um, they quickly established that there were no signs of life and a collective decision was made uh, there and then to cease res- resuscitation efforts. We heard a doctor then called to the scene, um, a little bit later that afternoon to formally pronounce her dead mm.
1: I know that also the court case featured the post-mortem examination results, would that have been the state pathologist giving evidence then?
3: Precisely yes, uh, the state pathologist gave the evidence of the post-mortem that she carried out and this took place the day after Ashley Murphy's body um, had been discovered and the pathology evidence I, I should say as is the case with, with, with any. Criminal case like this, pathology evidence can be very distressing and, and hard to hear. So maybe listeners' discretion should be. Thank you for that. Me. I
1: think some of the family members left at that stage, didn't they?
3: I know um, uh, Ashley's sister did leave uh, at some point. As to why she left at that point, um, you know, I can't speak to that. But she did return to the course room while the pathologist was giving her evidence. Uh, Dr. Sally Ann Collis uh, spent. You know, about two hours in the witness box uh, giving this evidence. There's a huge amount of detail in it, which, you know, there's no need to go into all of that detail today on air. uh, Save to say that um, the findings um, at at the conclusion of her report, she gave details of 12 sharp force injuries, 11 of which were stab wounds, and all of them had been inflicted to the right side of Ashley Murphy's neck. And she described how some vital veins and an artery uh, were damaged, and that would have caused huge uh, blood loss and when she was asked what would have caused uh, those injuries she said they were most likely caused by a knife or knives or a similar implement uh, most likely with a single edged blade and she went through all of those wounds in 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 detail she labeled each and every one of them she wasn't able to see what order they were inflicted in but she had labeled them in in sequence um, and in the end she concluded that Ashling had died from multiple sharp wounds to the neck with no contributory factors and in relation to whether or not pressure had been applied on Aisling's neck um, the possibility of strangulation she said that she couldn't exclude that as as a a possibility Uh, and also the jury heard some very distressing details about some damage to her throat um, which would have resulted in Dr. Collins's opinion. It would have resulted in Ashley Murphy being unable to make uh, to speak or to make an intelligible sound. I know, and unfortunately, so sad. There was
1: hand injuries to ashley 's hands, possibly caused by her trying to protect herself. It's awfully sad. There was there was an enormous amount of CCTV footage. I think I read somewhere that Unghgardi Shukana put together. Twenty-five thousand hours of harvested CCTV. So not just the canal, but all around uh, Tullamore, and a lot of that CCTV involved the, the you know, the, the last hours of, of the movements of Ashling as well, didn't it?
3: Yeah, the CCTV evidence was presented to the jurors last week by one of the Gardaí who was tasked with um, distilling. 25,231 hours of harvested CCTV footage. He was tasked with um, distilling it into a compilation that would be suitable for presentation uh, at trial. So in the end, obviously all of those hours were not shown to no. the jury in full. They were shown a compilation of what the prosecution believes to be relevant footage. Um, this was presented by Garda David Hanley who said that at one point there were 10 people working on his team but um, for most of the investigation, the three months so that he was working exclusively on the CCTV evidence. And there was himself and another colleague of his. And I suppose how that evidence was presented to the jury was that the clips were shown, this compilation was shown to the jury on, on screens in the jury box. And there were screens scattered around the courtroom for, for others to see too, including obviously Yosef Pushka from, from the dock. And Gartha Hanley would then narrate, he would tell the juries what he sees in certain clips, what he believes to have seen in, in other clips. And the first tranche of clips shown um, related to the time period between 25 minutes past 12 in the afternoon uh, that Ashley was killed on the 12th of January last year, right up until 5 past 2, which, as the jury was told uh, last week, was the last time that Yosef Pushka was captured uh, on CCTV uh, that afternoon. Ashley Murphy is believed to have been murdered. Um, about an hour and a half later at half past three uh, in the afternoon and the first clips that were shown to the jury show Um, Josef Pushka uh, on his bike uh, Cycling around the Mukla area Which is where he was living at the time Cycles into Tullamore Um, We see him um, uh, A woman called Beata Borowska We see him cycling behind her at one point She goes into Tesco and Tullamore He does a U-turn, he goes back into Tullamore town There's another woman who gave evidence yesterday A woman called Anne-Marie Kelly Uh, She featured in that compilation as well out for a walk with her dog Yosef Pushka could be seen cycling uh, slowly behind her in some of those uh, clips uh, as well as I say they brought us right up until Five minutes past two in the afternoon when Yosef Pushka is seen um, at a car park on Dangan Road, which is quite near uh, Grand Canal. In fact, the last clip of Ashley Murphy and the jury was shown some CCTV of her um, movements in the lead up to her death. And the last clip of her was maybe just before three o'clock when she parks in that car park in a red sea ash she was shown leaving her school in Duro that day and driving towards uh, Tullamore, getting out of the car, wearing a, a pink bobble hat, uh, some dark leggings and light-coloured uh, trainers with a white sole. The jury was also shown some CCTV footage from later that evening. Uh, a dark figure, according to the prosecution, can be seen uh, at a bypass on the N52 in Tullamore at about 9 o'clock that evening. And the prosecution and Garda Handley and his evidence um, put forward the proposition and claimed that that was Yosef Pushke, but that is being contested by the other side they were also shown some footage from Crumlin in Dublin from the early hours of the 13th of January which shows and it is accepted that uh, Joseph Pushka pulled up outside an apartment complex in Crumlin uh, with his mother and father they went into that apartment Uh, Garda Hanley in his evidence uh, pointed out that it appeared that Joseph Pushka was wearing a change of clothes when compared to the footage that was shown from earlier that afternoon he's on his phone he had some facial hair a beard according to uh, Garda Hanley and another clip from outside that apartment complex the, later that day, the, the afternoon, maybe just before 12 o'clock, we see, and the jury was shown, Josef Pushka um, being led into an ambulance by a paramedic, and Garda Handley pointed out that at that point he was clean-shaven. Um, he was taken to St. James's Hospital uh, then in, in Dublin. Evidence continues today, I imagine. Are
1: there more witnesses to be called or eyewitnesses to be called?
3: We don't know. Certainly more witnesses are due to be called when the trial resumes in about 20 minutes or so. As to who is likely to be called or what types of what type of witnesses like to be called, uh, it's hard to tell. We won't know until the prosecutor begins calling them uh, later this morning. Uh, yesterday yesterday we heard from Anne-Marie Kelly, that woman who I, I mentioned a moment ago, and, and she gave an account of, of her walk with her dog that day and she spoke about how um, she noticed that she was being followed or she felt like she was being followed by a man Uh, on a bike who was cycling slowly behind her who passed her at one point who looked back and was staring at her in what she described as an intimidating way she was the final witness called to give evidence yesterday she was cross-examined by Mr Pushka's barrister Michael Bowman who put it to her that uh, his client did accept that or did remember that um, meeting her that afternoon but he denied staring her um, denied also that he was following her uh, to which she replied That was my recollection, and Mm. that's where the trial wrapped up for the day yesterday.
1: Okay, Okay. appreciate the update. Much obliged to you. I will let you get on because court will start in the next 15 minutes or so. Uh, Thank you, as always, Frank Graney, uh, on the latest update with regards to the Ashling murder, Ashling Murphy uh, trial, where Joseph Joseph Pushka denies uh, her murder, uh, and that continues across the day. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. Back after these.
4: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM.
1: Okay, I see a lot of texts coming in since early morning. I was doing a lot of different court reports from the newspapers this morning. Uh, bear in mind that one of them involved um, somebody going to jail for 19 years for the for the killing of two gay men. Uh, but in other cases, innocent and proven guilty guys, we have to allow justice in the courts to take their uh, course but certainly in the case of one of them this morning a lot of people are saying uh, you have very much horrific cases in the courts these days and they all appear to be foreigners uh, the names of the criminals aren't very irish um, i'm not again i'm just talking about say specifically the one involved the man who did go down for 19 years don't you notice that a lot of cases coming before the courts are from foreigners uh, we're talking here of rape and murder. What I'd like to know is what happens after they serve their sentence. You mentioned somebody sent back to Romania and ending up here in Ireland just to walk our streets again. Uh, would it be right to deport after sentencing in jail? I wonder. And that's a question that's asked often, you know, what happens after uh, somebody has done their time as to whether or not they should be allowed to stay in their new chosen country or not. But that was a particularly horrific case. Two innocent men just going about their lives... Uh, who were targeted on a dating app uh, by um, a monstrous man who took their lives because of his homophobia. Uh, lots on cooking. I was talking about why in the name of God would anybody have to put details as to how to make beans on toast? My son is 15 years old. He loves to learn new things to cook. He does home economics in school and today he's doing a sauce for the spag bol. I think that is fantastic and uh, if, you, if you can learn it at home, all very well by watching and observing others, but it should well be maybe uh, something that everybody should be doing in school. That and perhaps learning to drive Uh, another one here I think a serious conversation should happen with the school curriculum I'll mention first what I would add swimming lessons driving lessons and cooking lessons Lessons on how to build your own home. I'd get rid of religion, Irish and the German language classes in school. They are nothing more than a waste of time. I don't know about Irish. I mean, I remember 20 or 30 years ago, I would have said the same thing. But now, not anymore. I am very, very protective of the Irish language. And I try and talk it as much as I can. Um, but And I know that talking about getting rid of languages in school, not a good idea. Because in the workplace, with regards to career options, the more languages you have the better opportunities you have. Notwithstanding, it's great to be able to go overseas and talk another language rather than reliably lazing around with English because we think everybody else speaks it. Um, You were talking about weights being wrong in packaging. Well, the ones I was talking about was somebody baking a Christmas cake and all of the weights were wrong, whether it was the raisins or the sultanas or the or the flakes of uh, almonds or whatever. I just use my digital scale to weigh an unopened bag of brown sugar, desiccated coconut and castor sugar, and they are all exactly as they should be. I bought the items in Aldi, Tesco and Dunn's. All of them accurate. Glad to hear it. Keep that research coming, guys. Regarding the beans on toast, I always add a knob of real butter and some chili powder when heating them up. The beans in the pot are delicious. Love the show, says Lorraine. Oh, she's having a pop at me because I microwave the beans. I like the idea of the little bit of chili powder. I would probably use a couple of chili flakes. I'm not a fan of the powder, but I do love the flakes. But the knob of butter, no. My sister actually does that too. She adds butter uh, to beans. But I just think that, I don't know. I mean, don't knock it till you try it, I suppose. And on dogs and how long they live told you about a dog that died in portugal yesterday the world's oldest dog died yesterday the age of 31 over the years my dad had a couple of jack russells they never had a tin of dog food in the house nor dog nuts of any sort it was always the leftovers and the plates they never had to visit the vet and the dogs were never sick they both lived to 15 years of age and they were always outside dogs they never spent a night in the house that was the way it was Certainly 1960s and 1970s dogs had that way of life, but it changed then, slowly but surely, to where we find ourselves at right now. My dog is 18 years old. He saved us when our house flooded. He has a heart murmur and he's still flying. Please come back to me and tell me more about your dog saving you from the house flood. Ideally come on the air and share the story, but start by texting me back text 08681 text 0868104106. Uh, it wasn't the flood in Middleton uh, they're saying, it was when the pipe burst and flooded the house in Shandon Court in 2011. Uh, I was in bed and he kept nudging me. Then he jumped up put his two paws on my face to wake me up. We were the first out and we were able to call of the, all of the neighbors. So he he is our little hero. I'd love to hear some more about that. In fairness, to him the dog picked up on the flooding downstairs, waked you, and you were able to help the neighbours. Lots then on Middleton, which I welcome back to. But I want to get back to the phone lines because Jim, who's um who, who's who's chosen trade is roofing, if I remember correctly. Jim, good morning. Hey, yeah, how are we doing, boy? Roofing, the right? Isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I say that'd yep. be I say that'd be the one part of a house actually that wouldn't need any work: the roof in flooding, would it?
0: Well, it, no, but the rains are very heavy, so it has an awful lot of damage done um, to the pointing, and a lot of tiles are off. So there was a lot of damage out the roofs as well, and people really need to
1: inspect the roofs as well. Okay, they, so, they, and you, so are you down are you down in Middleton in people's flood-damaged homes?
0: We've done a few of them there, yeah, around White Gate, and actually we've done them all over the city, really. But what are you good seeing? Good what good have good. you
1: seen from regards to Storm, some Storm Babette?
0: Um, I suppose I like can't. What the Middleton one, and, and, and we were down in I think it's Millbrook yesterday, and uh, you know we could see. It was a funny, you know, the, the housing below in Millbrook. The, the council have divots dug; they've these big thirty foot by thirty foot holes, six foot deep, to take over on, on uh, flood waters within the middle of the estate. So you come out the door, you have your drive, you have your path, and then you have this big massive drop. It's designed to take water and flood water, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can imagine the council ins- insisting going back 15, 20 years ago when they were building these houses, insisted that these would be put into the middle of the state No, to me they're a danger anyway. They're now full of water. The council hasn't closed them off, and you know next week is Halloween, isn't it? And kids are attracted to water, so we know it's coming out- down the line here. Um, so it's supposed,
1: it's supposed to trap the danger. water. Or is it supposed to make the water flow away safely somewhere else?
0: Um, well, I think there's two or three in this estate now. I mean, they're horrendous. Like, I mean, it's disgrace, really. Like, but, thing. but they're supposed to take the water and it's supposed to filter away. But, should know, they'll fill up with grass and they'll... These things are big. These are Olympic swimming pool-sized holes, you know.
1: Right.
0: But they're full of water now. And no, I don't see any any protection for the kids. But my, my, my point is, during the planning process with the council, like, this was a council decision to do that. You know, let, let's let's figure out, we're going to build on a floodplain and let's dig a hole so the water goes in if it rains and here we go. And so we saw what we got. They don't work. It would have been better for the council to say, let's build the houses three foot higher. But the council has a problem with seeing roofs going into the sky. They, they, they tend to block everybody building a house high. You know, everybody's had a problem with the council. I mean, that makes to, perfect to your,
1: sense to me. If you know of history of flooding, build the houses higher so that there's a gap between the ground level you, and the front there door. There
0: yeah. and, and the council won't. They're continuously, especially if you're building a house on your own, someone will feel out the country, they'll put you into the hole. We can look all over the city and we've estates buried in holes. There's another one down in Carrigaline that have been built at half a million pound each. They're in a hole, right? It's going to happen. It's going to come. That's the council's fault. They've done it. Yeah, they're, they're responsible, it's no point talking about, let's now figure out a way of stopping the water getting into the holes you designed it and you buried the hoses, what the hell do you think is going to happen
1: Cowell uh, County Councillor quoted this morning the examiner is saying, no agency could have prevented the flooding in Middleton uh, the town's main street was submerged in 3, 4, 5 feet of water uh, they're saying that nothing no drainage system could cope with the deluge last Wednesday full stop
0: I absolutely agree with that but good planning would have stopped the likes of Millbrook and those houses from flooding. Or they would have, you, you, you people on all week who homes are flooded, they go back to their planning and that planning officer made sure that their houses was X amount lower than the ground. i give an example. I, 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 so the last floods we had 2015, I was up above in a place called Tubba, above in County Clare. The whole place flooded from, from Clare right into Galway, the, everything blocked up, three foot of water, two foot of water and houses. We were building a house there at the time, a very, very old cottage. I think we bought the third for this but to pre-build it, but it got flooded while we were doing it. I raised that house three feet. It has never flooded again. We raised the floors, the roof, the whole lot. We said, up she goes. No, that's, that's, that's fine never if, you,
1: if you build it higher, but you couldn't adapt all of those homes like that. It's no, you,
0: you can, You can't. But I certainly, ask the council, why are they continuously... Forcing people to build homes in holes, and the damage know, you're see-
1: and the damage you're seeing inside. I'm just conscious of time. What are you seeing? I, I didn't see much. No, in our house, they did have uh, the, the water did
0: come into the hall. There were only four or five inches of water in this house. Uh, most of the damage i have seen is on roofs, so I would advise people to check their roofs. They are going to get damaged, and there is damage up there, so that's part of it as well. It's up and down. Okay, you know, but it would be very concerned as we said. The council now go out to Millbrook and block off these areas. Halloween is next week, and. I don't want to see any tragedy because the
1: council are sitting on their hands again. You mean the child could drown in it?
0: Well, is that going in there for the swimmer No,
1: no. But it's deep enough enough to drown a child or an individual. Absolutely.
0: Yes, you drown drowned in a cup of water, Neil, but kids are attracted to water. Yeah, Okay. But it's the planning process. I mean, what fool of an engineer thinks that digging a big, three big holes in a park to take run off water is a good idea.
1: If it has nowhere to go, it's not a good idea. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate as always. Text 106 We'll pick it up after 11. <laughs>
4: Prenderville Show,
1: Red FM. Lots of different topics on different subjects over the last couple of days. With regards to the money from Middleton, there's never enough money for any Irish project, unlike when it comes to, say, Ukraine, Gaza, or Palestine, when money doesn't seem to be a problem. Our government recently tripled the overseas budget, but as usual, there's never enough money to set aside to deal with local issues. I don't know that that's altogether 100% fair. I think they are trying to do the best they can as quickly as possible after. the events of, of last week as to how much will be involved We'll have a clearer picture later on, but the numbers and the amounts of money keep going up, so at least that's something. Adrianne spoke very well, but people have forgotten about outlying businesses in the surrounding areas of Middleton. If you go on Facebook, you'll see of so much of it, particularly, say, Water Rock House. It's about to flood again for the third time. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Far from grants or deferring rates, the state ought to be held completely financially, 100% responsible for all flood damage, since they're responsible for granting planning permission on floodplains without drainage strategies or flood protection programs. They've allowed our existing drainage system to fall into such a state of disrepair that one could argue, uh, one could argue that it's almost deliberate, says Richie. Uh, talking about house insurance, if you have provision for flood damage on your insurance and the storm is named, like this one was, you are covered. Um, If you have provision for flood damage on your insurance, you're covered, I think, regardless of whether it has a name or a number. Uh, But others, of course, have house insurance or business insurance, but it doesn't include flood damage. Regarding the builder who has given up jobs and others going to Middleton, what about the people that they're leaving just to go to Middleton? Um, The banks couldn't give a toss about the floods. They want plenty with regards to interest. That's why they're touting for business with families and businesses. I know, tradespeople are going to help. But as a consequence of that, they're leaving other people's work. But I think they realize that it's an emergency. I'm not sure if you're doing more on Glenmire, But if you are, let people know that the local welfare officer is in Glenmire Scout Hall this morning. They will be dispensing funds for stage one of the assistance scheme to affected families in Glanmire this morning. She'll be here until one o'clock. I think I've met most people who've been flooded in the Glenmire area at this stage, but if anyone else is affected that I'm unaware of, please let people know that the local welfare officer is in Glenmire Scout Hall dispensing funds for stage one of the humanitarian assistance until one o'clock today. From yesterday, with regards to my conversation with the uh, Irish, uh, the Israeli ambassador to Ireland, I thought you did show bias on your program yesterday you barely let the ambassador finish and some of the answers you refuted also you had no problem with the second speaker on behalf of palestine palestine saying what he had to say she was an ambassador and surely deserves more respect she is correct in saying that there is an unconscious bias with some people in ireland you actually showed disappointment in the fact that you forgot to pin the 42% of houses um, to her um, for instance if France had been attacked by Luxembourg everyone would be agreeing on the French invasion more balance please Neil Israel is the only democracy in the region you wouldn't have any other ambassador on from the region if Israel were being invaded they wouldn't hesitate to kill and destroy Israel and yes the region is a mess it goes back to 1947 um, and so on and so forth by the way 50 years ago was the Yom Kippur War It's never ended since then, unfortunately, says Brian. lot of text then regarding my conversation with the Israeli ambassador yesterday. Uh, She will not answer any questions straight. She did the same on primetime. Every question she was asked about the atrocities Israel has committed against Palestine, she turned it around and blamed Hamas. The war didn't start recently. Uh, Neil, they are attacking the West Bank and Hamas is not there. Don't forget about Bobby Sands, Nelson Mandela and Gandhi were all deemed to be terrorists, says Michael in Bandon. What Israel has done to Palestinian people people is a war crime they continue to bomb innocent people telling them to leave and while they do they still bomb them i will definitely stand with palestine and the israeli prime minister should be brought to the courts for war crimes there are thousands of palestinian people in israeli jails neil they're trying to wipe out palestine full stop this didn't happen overnight gaza is an open air prison and shame on israel uh, a failed rocket launch by hamas that hit the hospital yeah right You shouldn't give the ambassador any airtime. It's a war crime to deprive hospitals of food, water, gas and oil. Israel doesn't care because when Israel does wrong, it will always have the support of the USA. Surely you know that. Um, The ambassador says it's only Hamas that they want to get rid of. Then why are they bombing the West Bank where there is no Hamas? Innocent Palestinians are dying at the hands of the Israeli defense forces. There are many... Uh, many texts. Please ask about Paddy Cosgrave, who sadly got cancelled for the truth and free speech, and his comment that war crimes are war crimes. Um, I did bring that point up yesterday on the programme, um, and that is pretty much what he said. If there were had, no, if there would not have been any British occupation on the island of Ireland, there would have been no IRA. If there was no Israeli occupation of Gaza, there would be no Hamas. And there are many more like that, which I might have an opportunity to come back to throughout the course of the morning. There are calls on the way. Text 868 104
4: Cork's number one talk show. The Neil Prendiville Show on Red FM. The Credit Union was
0: created to provide the essential funding that's the lifeblood of any thriving community. And to do this not for profit, but for better reasons. For members, for futures, for change. The Credit Union. For you, not profit. Credit unions in the Republic of Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
2: Peace of mind is important to us all. Not just for ourselves, but for our loved ones too. That's why TFI have released the Driver Check app, which allows users to check that their taxi, hackney, limousine and driver are licensed and registered by the National Transport Authority. The Driver Check app is available on Google and Apple smartphones and includes rural and urban areas all across Ireland. Download the Driver Check app. It just makes sense.
0: Every week, national lottery
2: players raise over 4 million euro for good causes across Ireland. Cut.
0: You said 4 million every week.
2: It is 4 million every week.
0: 4 million euro?
2: Uh-huh. It must be a typo. Can you check I'm telling you, every week, over 4 million euro is raised for good causes.
4: All right. No need for a Marty meltdown.
2: I'll ignore that. <clears throat> Every week, National
9: Lottery players raise over €4 million for good causes across Ireland. The National Lottery. Support responsibly. Based on 2022 financials. Love barbecue sauce? Love crispy chicken breast fillet and smoky barbecue sauce? Love cheddar cheese with barbecue sauce? Love red onion oozing in barbecue sauce? Oh, everything's better with barbecue sauce. Introducing the new McCrispy Barbecue Smokehouse. Available until the 21st of barbecue sauce. I mean, until the 21st of November. Served after 11am. Subject to availability.
1: This morning, discover Barcelona, Budapest, Helsinki and Stockholm from Cork with convenient connections via Amsterdam with KLM Royal Dutch Airlines. Visit KLM.ie.
0: The Opel Open Road event is now on. Discover the incredible Opel Range including Continental Tires, Irish Compact Car of the Year 2023, the Opel Astra. And if you order before December 15th, get a €500 Euro Aldi voucher with your new Astra, Corsa, Mocha or Grandland, all available with flexible payment options. Test drive the entire Opel range now at the Opel Open Road event. Now on at Johnson & Parrott, Opel, Douglas. See for details.
4: Talk to Neil Prenderville now, 0818-104-106. Cork's
1: Red FM. If we can just change horses again, there's a big event happening this weekend and I mentioned it a couple of times last week. If you're a fan of jazz and indeed you're a fan of rugby and the World Cup final and good food and a drinks reception and a jazz band and a disco then there's a great night available this coming Saturday, the Cork Jazz Ball. It's an aid of Spinal Injuries Ireland. I have a table of six to give away for this event on Saturday night and all the proceeds of the ball go to Spinal Injuries Ireland which have really really strong cork connections over 225 service users with spinal injuries in cork alone so it's a big event the uh, ball takes place on the evening of the world cup final it'll be shown on the big screen but before that there's a drinks reception at half past five dinner is at half past six and it'll be a fine dinner. The Rugby World Cup final will be shown on the big screens at 8 o'clock. That's the All Blacks and South Africa. And then you're dancing to live jazz, disco, raffle, auction, the whole lot. So it'll be a great way to enjoy the jazz and the rugby. Nice few drinks and uh, some beautiful food. And all of the proceeds are going to Spinal Injuries Ireland. I'll give you details where you can buy your own tickets as well. But I'm keen to talk to John Toomey, um, who himself actually has lived with a spinal injury for a long Long time, John. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good Thanks morning, for too. taking the call. Thank you so much. You were very much involved in all sorts of sports as a young fella. You were, you were, you were race. You were a cyclist at racing level, I think, weren't you? Yeah,
10: I I crashed in a race in 1970. Um, coming in by the Silver Springs there, there was a van stopped up in the dual carriageway and, and I was finishing the race and unfortunately I went into the back of it and I, I had a spinal injury to my back and my neck and the back one was very bad so I ended up in a wheelchair. How old were you? Since 1970. I was just f- almost 15 when it happened to me.
1: And how, Oh my God, I mean, what a cross to bear. Was it difficult to adjust? Well, it wasn't.
10: I, I think it's an advantage having a, if you're having going to get a spinal injury to get it when you're younger in life rather than older in life, you know, because when you're young, you're adaptable and you can, you know, make situations work, you know. And I went back to school. I did my junior cert, or which is was then known as the inter cert, actually in the hospital in the Larry in Dublin. And then I went back to Key and I did my uh, leaving cert and then after that I to qualify as an accountant
1: you were committed I mean like you you got on with things it's an amazing achievement to do the intercert in hospital I mean you could have been given a break you know
10: uh, not it? really. I think they, they were, you know, the fact that with a spinal injury, a lot of it's rest. And, you know, your, your, con- in those days, you were confined kind of to bed for three months. You know, they just landed in the school books and said, study those. <laughs> and you're doing your intercert. we get you up in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah you know, in yeah. time for the intercert in June, you know. But you did. And, that, and you... It was right, they were right. You know, they, they did the right thing because they motivated me to get on with it and not be sitting there moaning and groaning. to was, you know, be progressive and get on and. They also introduced me to sport in the hospital as well, and that's you know I went from being playing hurling with the key and cycling with Riverstick Cycling Club to you know trying the discus, you know something that I'd never even thought of, you know, and you know they use sport as a therapy. I was doing archery stuff like that.
1: But but so, the hurling would have been f- before the wheelchair, surely, no? Yeah, absolutely.
10: Everything, yeah, yeah. you know, hurling and cycling before the wheelchair and. You know, discus throwing, sailing, all those other sports came when it, since I was in a wheelchair, you know.
1: You did, like, 11 Paralympics.
10: I did, yeah, between 76 and 90, or like 2016, I did 11 of them. You
1: won gold in the Seoul years. Olympics uh, in discus throwing.
10: That's correct, yeah. I was, you know, lucky. I, you know, it came out with a gold medal in Seoul. Isn't that luck?
1: That's, that's training, that's conditioning, that's effort, that's, you know... Positive mental yeah. attitude. So you you would build up colossal colossal upper upper body strength, then would you?
10: Yeah, I have a big pair of shoulders on me and very big upper body and and arms and stuff like that, you know. But again, my my arms and my legs release for the last fifty years, like so, because you know you you use the your arms to propel the chair. So you you do build up a lot of upper body strength and muscles, you know.
1: And tell me, in all of those decades, say for instance. Being Cork, whether it's, you know, are you Kinsale-based? Are you, Kinsale based or are you in, in the city or where? I'm Kinsale-based, yeah. yeah. I'm, I live outside about 10 minutes. And have, have things got better with regards to access and help um, for people living their lives in a wheelchair?
10: Yes, definitely. Like when I had my accident, I'd never actually seen anybody in a wheelchair other than Ironside on television. That's you know? right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, like, I, yeah. it was it was a whole new world to me, you know. And and in those days, people in wheelchairs weren't going out publicly, you know. Or and you know, access was very very hard, you know. But you know. I, I joined the Irish Wheelchair Association I became a, a campaigner for access as well, you know, and uh, you know, the world changes slowly but thankfully it has changed, you know and Was there, a, like, when long, you say
1: people didn't go, was there a stigma or something to somebody in a chair? In those days self-conscious. There was,
10: in In those days there was a stigma attached to somebody being in a wheelchair Thank God that's long gone you know.
1: As in people gone. would be reticent to have a conversation or what, like
10: People would be very nervous. They wouldn't know what to say or what to do, you know, but like that, that has totally changed in society you now, you know, and you know, you, you've had some very, you know, popular you know, people in wheelchairs, you know, that got out there, did their stuff. Brian Crowley was an MEP from a wheelchair. Yeah. You know, fell in, in off abandoned. a roof as
1: a young fella, yeah. And again it, at, yeah, like yeah, you right. at a young at a reasonably young age. Yeah. Yeah.
10: Right, Brian. And Brian is younger than I am as you can gather, you know. <laughs> but um and like there's been other other people as well, like, you know, you know, you've you've a lot of people in wheelchairs now who are out there doing their own thing, working, contributing to society. And, you know, in in my case, I've I've had a, a charmed life with sport and business and everything. And, you know, I'm at the stage where I'm just giving back, you know. I know, so I'm I understand. Like that, chairman of spinal injuries, Ireland. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I'm, I just, you, you would have understandable reason to be, to be bitter, but that will get you nowhere, right? So you instead seem like incredibly positive about everything.
10: You have to be, Neil, you have to take a positive attitude. You know, if if you sit in the corner and you're and groan about everything, you, you lose people and friends very, very quickly. If you're out there with him doing the, the normal things like, you know, and involved in society, you know, life's good, you know, and you've got to drive on with that positive attitude. And that
1: negativity changes nothing, sure, doesn't John?
10: No, it makes people bitter and that's all that happens there and that's so negative, Neil, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. But at the, at, do you ever dwell on things that you miss doing or, or are unable to do because of the the injury? No, I
10: just do something else, you know?
1: <laughs> you pick an alternative, yeah. you know?
10: <laughs> that's all you got to do is just just, just go with what you can do. Yeah. Make the best of what you have. Don't... Yeah. More in the corner about what you don't have, yeah, you know? you, yeah, yeah. And you make your own life, and you make your own happiness, and you you set your own goals and get your own achievements. Yeah, you
1: know? yeah, yeah. How, how are we? How are we progressing then, from the point of view of surgery or innovation to help people or correct? Is it possible even to correct the the spinal cord in in cases now anymore?
10: Not not at the moment, you know. Like if if you get a an injury very very quickly and you you can stop the swelling around the spine, they, they, you know you can have certain positive results. But they they don't have the 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 expertise and the scientific knowledge to repair the spinal cord injury yet. You know, no, it will come in time. But i I'd, I'd urge anybody with a spinal injury, don't wait for you know the, the miracle cure to happen. You know, just get out there and live your life and make the best of what you have. And you know use alternative forms of recreation, sport and stuff like that and get on with Like, like you
1: did, you adapted. Bit, yeah. You know, when you look at the injuries that can result in somebody suffering um, a, a spinal injury to their spinal cord and they end up in a wheelchair or indeed paraplegia, could be awfully, awfully sad. Um, are they, are they kind of like... Um, traffic injuries or are they could they be sports related like you know playing rugby or would it be a fall in the home or, or what do we know
10: we do we we, we commissioned research through UCG in Galway University College Galway in 2018 and there's an average there's three spinal injuries a week you know now the average age believe it or not and it shocked me at the time was 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 over 55 you know and two of the injuries per week on average are are falls in the home that cause the spine injury falls
1: in the home like down
10: the stairs yeah. or something is it fall down the stairs you know you know any type of a fall you know once once you once you fall and something gets at the spine you know it it's, it, it can lead to paralysis you know and then the other the other one can be traumatic injuries from work or from sport but I I would have thought that most of the injuries would have been sport and work but no other research proved otherwise you know
1: yeah but where do road traffic accidents come into it particularly now we're hearing awful crashes involving very young people over the last year
10: yeah road road traffic accidents do you know people can end up with spinal injuries you know they can end up with neck injuries or or, or back injuries you know and um, you know it's it's just you know wear your seatbelt like take the advice you know do what do what the the road safety people say, I oh, know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. drive within the speed limits, you know and if you if you comply with all those, you know you 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 probably on average you know not have a road accident, you know, and
1: if you do, you're limiting the potential damage, but two out of three are falls in the home, you know when you talk about sport, um do you have concern- I know that they've changed the rules of rugby somewhat now, trying to make it safer. But is that the sports you're referring to? No, all sorts
10: of sports, Neil. You know, it, it can happen in any sports, you know. Equestrian sports, cycling, there's, the, you know, the professional cycling there. If you see a bottle on television, there's a, a number of professional cyclists die every year. You've you've rugby, you know, any sport where the where there's physical contact, or where you're traveling at speed on a on a motorbike, on a in a in a rally car, you know that young Craig Bean was killed there yeah. tragically, yeah. you know, this year, you know. Yeah. So accidents accidents happen, you know, and and um, you know what what you need to do is is take all precautions, you know, especially in motor vehicles and motorbikes, you know so that you don't end up with a spinal injury, you know.
1: Well, your story is an incredible one. I won't keep you much longer, but I, I know I referenced the Paralympic Games, 11 of them, and 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 I know spoke about discus in Seoul in 88, uh, but sailing, um, Paralympic sailing, that would take an awful lot of effort and commitment, wouldn't it? Because literally, is that an adapted sailing boat?
10: Well, the the, the boat that I sailed in was a sonar. It's a three-man um, keel boat, you know, and uh, what I have is I had a sliding bench, and I still have it on 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 a boat that I use here in, in uh, Kinsale I have a sliding bench, so I slide from side to side, so you get your weight up to the weather side of the boat, and I've got a handle that I hold onto as well up there that, so I can keep my weight up to weather when the boat heels, you know. But in, so the,
4: event of an, of an, in the, the event of in the event, I know,
1: yeah, I know, I'm practical in and and adapting it in that regard. But in the event of a, something going wrong. Are you flipping over? Um, you're in trouble, then, aren't you?
10: You just get wet, you know, and the life jacket goes off, and you get dragged out, you know. <laughs> like I've, 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 I've been in the water a few times, you know.
1: You have a I positive, like, you have a positive spin on any eventuality. And did, 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 all those medals, did you give them away to young people, or somebody said to me you did?
10: Most of the trophies and medals that I won—Irish medals, European medal, World medals—you know—I I, I used to give them away to the kids, you know, because it's a way of encouraging kids to, to come onward. So I have very little, you know, for, for a fella who was involved in sport <laughs> for nearly forty years. I very little trophies or medals and dolls. As the fella said you you're very, little you're very little I, to show for it, kids. You very little to show for it. I, you know, mentally I have, you know, and I have had the pleasure of doing it, but. I know. Uh, the, the the medals and things i i, I just used to give them away to the kids yeah know. fabulous you know if i had a, if i had a collection of them at home and there was a sports a wheelchair sports and for kids you know i I just take all the the, the name tags off and for what they were for and give them
1: to them and they'd have nice trophies for their games Wow, you know. fantastic active generosity now Saturday night's a big night because spinal injuries rely very much on public support don't they and this event and incidentally thank you to the committee for giving me a table of six to give away. It's going to be a great night and much needed funds, right?
10: Yeah, it's going to be a great night and it always is, you know, and and we emphasise that this is an enjoyable evening for people to come out and enjoy the jazz, sit in the nice, comfortable surroundings and enjoy jazz music during the jazz festival. It gives the ladies a chance to dress up in the the cocktail dresses and the long dresses and, uh, you know, we we emphasise it's a night of fun. And as part of that, we raise much needed funds because we rely on 70% of our funding comes from public, 30% comes from the state, you yeah, know, so, yeah, yeah. and, you know, we're, we're that lifeline for a newly disabled person. And not only just the person that, that's disabled, people forget that the family of the person are more affected nearly than the person who has the injury. Mm, mm and and we we support and counsel those people, you know,
1: yeah, because it's life changing for all of the family and and also Absolutely. the- ad- adaptation of the family home isn't cheap, either sure it's not not at
10: all Jeepers,
1: you know that that
10: like the house is to be adapted, you know there's a lot of adaptation to get yourself back in and that that even keel again and get yourself going forward you know okay
1: well good luck for Saturday night um, are you going to be and shouting for, thanks for your assistance with it you not know. We, we about, really are you, you are you shouting all blacks or are you shouting South Africa what's the deal there
10: oh, you see the, the, I, I'd say I'd be tending towards South Africa because I look at the monster rugby team you know and I I look at um, you know the members of the the Munster rugby team that are South African that play for us and that we support all during the winter. So I, I'd be tending towards the South African. Addict. And one of the one of the coaches in the South African uh, team is Irish, and uh, he's a former spinal injury himself. You know
1: that's good enough he for me. from rugby. That's good enough for me. Also added to to the fact that it was the All Blacks put Ireland out so we should all be shouting for South Africa I suppose.
10: Listen, listen, it would be a good game and that's the
1: main thing alright well listen I know if anybody would like to go and purchase tickets for themselves they can contact philip at spinalinjuriesireland.ie it really is a great wraparound night it's got something for everybody the jazz great food drinks reception and all importantly as well the rugby world cup final you'll be there I suppose in your black tie fair play to you looking I dapper like a box of chocolates <laughs> absolutely <laughs> enjoy it absolutely cheers John mind yourself take care
10: Neil thanks again for the, for the mention thank Not you
1: happy to help so if you would like to go along then get in touch with philip at spinal injuries um, did I mention there's also a gin reception <laughs> Followed by the dinner and then all of the wine is sponsored as well as everything else. So it really is a great wraparound night. Good opportunity, as John says, to put on your uh, best gear and get out there. And be part of the evening, the Cork Jazz Ball. So, tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday, we'll deal with picking a winner. Not quite sure yet uh, how we're going to do that. It could well be to do with the best call or comment or text or what have you, but we'll certainly have some fun with it tomorrow uh, and indeed on Thursday. A table of six, but to get them yourself, fill up at spinalinjuriesireland.ie. Back after the break.
4: The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104 106.
1: I spoke earlier this morning with. With Marcin Kozlowski, uh, his 15-year-old son Casper uh, was diagnosed with bone cancer in 2020 when he was 12 years old and he went through a number of surgeries in Crumlin Children's Hospital um, and indeed had many sessions of chemotherapy. Now his prognosis is very, very serious uh mm-hmm. casper is living in middleton he sleeps 20 out of every 24 hours a day and um, the family home in Willowbank was flooded last week and all of the white goods and all of the downstairs furniture and all of the flooring and everything totally destroyed um they, they haven't given up the fight nor has casper um but um the heating is on 24 uh, 7 and there's a lot of dust and a lot of dirt and a lot of cleaning being done down there and they're very worried about Casper and his diagnosis, not to mention uh, the coming months uh, and hope that he will improve. Uh, But who knows? Um, It was a very, very sad uh, conversation with his dad uh, about an hour ago. So there um, was an opportunity for us to help, if at all possible. And I'm amazed at the texts that I've received already so far. The first one that came in was an offer of 20 euro if you were looking for money. And that is a lovely gesture. Uh, Anne got in touch and she says, I'll buy the washing machine. Megan says, just wondering, would someone be able to give me a ring? I have a couch I would love to give that man uh, that was just on. I can send you pictures of it if you wish by WhatsApp. Feel free to do that. So we are talking about anything that you would put into the ground floor of a family home. Everything that's needed in the kitchen, dining room, sitting room, hall flooring, all things like that, doors. Listen to me talking about uh, with Marcin Kozlowski in Middleton. I'd be happy to help out with new flooring. My company is Rebel Flooring. Get in touch with me, says Bernard. Thank you so much. It's great to hear businesses reaching out. Fiona Mahoney from the Kinsale Tile Store are offering waterproof vinyl tiles with the Kinsale tile, style, tile store. Isn't that a great idea? You can get the tiles, but they're waterproof and they're vinyl, but they probably look the job. So that's a great offer from Fiona at Kinsale tile store. The Cork Leukemia Association got in touch. They said we can give, we can organize shared care and furniture. So they're there to help out as well with care. Uh, for young Casper, not to mention furniture as well. Uh, Mary says, I would like to donate some of my disability pension. Isn't that so kind? Deirdre at All In One Interior says, I will donate a couch or a table and chairs just let me know where in Middleton does the Polish family live I could drop a bag of food at his door as I live in Middleton says Colette again beyond kind James Griffin and you has a table and six chairs happy to deliver them uh, Tracy says her husband has a building company and wants to help in any way he can so we'll reach out to Tracy and see if we can make that happen. Southern Renovations and Tiles was in touch. They were supposed to open on Main Street last week before the floods hit the back of the shop, so they have tiles and a tiler to do any work that Marcin might need doing. Awfully kind. I'm in Tierclune Estate, right next to the Kozlowski family, um, and I have a fridge freezer and a condenser dryer available to them if they would like them. They certainly would, because I said everything in the kitchen needs replacing Betty has armchairs, two of them in Blarney, Neil I'll send John pictures and see if they'll suit and Sheehan Cleaning want to donate 500 euro to Marcin and the family send me on the bank details I'll lodge it today, we're a small cleaning company, we aren't in a position to go to Middleton to help out, but I still would love to contribute this says John from Sheehan Cleaning and I know the texts are continuing to come in and I'll bring some more of them to air between now and midday if you think you can get involved and help the Kozlowskis because their son is uh, very, very ill. The bone cancer has spread to his lungs and indeed to his muscles. Um, so get in touch. Text 0868104106. Their house was destroyed in the floods of last week and they need help quickly. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, um, all sorts of different stories this morning. Mary Smithy is at uh, the post office in Yaw. Mary, good morning.
6: Good morning.
1: Now, um, I have some audio here. Can you describe what I'm going to play?
6: Yeah, it's the noise in the post office coming from the building next door.
1: Okay, so some work is going on next door, is it? And has been for some yeah, time. It's okay the
6: old Bank of Ireland building. Okay. And they're renovating or something in And
1: there. your head is wrecked from it, is it? This
6: is going on now since last Thursday. And...
1: Mary, I've yeah. enough of it, and I've enough of it, and I've only had ten seconds. What is that?
6: Imagine trying to serve the customers with that wrapping away behind you.
1: Is that just from time yeah. to time, or is it consistent? It
6: was all day Thursday. It was often on Friday. It's a different sound this morning. It was more of a um, what was it? A scraping this morning, as if it was a scraping night, which was even worse. It was desperate. Now, I've one girl gone to a doctor with her ears after putting up with that all day Thursday. Um, it, the last thing I wanted to do was close the post office, but I have a duty of care to my staff.
1: Have you, so, measured, have you measured? I don't know what, what that is. Is that doing something to walls or floors?
6: It's or? either a, a canvo or it could be um, a mini digger with a rock breaker on it or something. Something like that. Yeah.
1: You don't want to hear that. You're just well used to that sound. It's all very well for us to hear it on the radio, (laughs) but I'm sure that it's much louder where you are.
6: Yeah, yeah. You can imagine what's sitting next door to it. Now, we've been in contact with the builder and he says the work has to go on. This morning, I wasn't there, but I sent one of the girls in just to ask to speak to the foreman to see how long would the noise be going on. And she was told a couple of days. So she said, we have to close the post office.
1: So you're going and to have to close. Have you measured the decibels there?
6: 86, it was on that, yeah.
1: How'd you measure 86. that? On the phone. There's Modern an app, technology. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Modern technology.
1: What should the decibel level be at? Forgive me for not I knowing.
6: Think, I think 65 is the max in a commercial area.
1: And 86, that difference is so substantial yeah. that your staff's gone out with migraine.
6: Yeah, and one with migraine, one I'd say could have a burst eardrum is what I now I'm not a doctor of Really but I really feel that something like that. She has gone to the doctor, she has an appointment as we speak and I'm getting worried about them. Like there's no way. Like the last thing I want to do is to office. Well I have my to my tell
1: country. you, you have a duty of care to your staff. You don't need to be reminded of that.
6: Yeah, I have you see. And you know, I know they're dependent on their social welfare and everything. Like it's very upsetting. And my business is, I on the transactions I do. So like it's a lot of revenue for me for closing those doors. What are your customers yes.
1: saying about the noise as they come in and out?
6: Uh, oh, Sure. Like one one lady said, "Do you need me to go for a pack of the parasites?" Well, uh,
1: I suppose you're hearing. How would you put up with that? How would you very put up
6: often. With that? Yeah. Yeah. But it's come now today, as I say, since Thursday, they weren't there Saturday, We peace Saturday, but Thursday, Friday, yesterday, and today. So it's, it's just come to it. The door is closed. The post office is closed. Nothing we
1: can do about it. Yeah, but what would you like to have happened? Um, like, uh, notwithstanding like, the work, the work has to be done next door, but do you want yeah. it stopped or could they work through the night with yes. arc lights or work the week? I
6: have no problem with the work going on next door if I can work as well. You know, if I can serve the customers, if I can have my staff in a safe environment. Now, I did contact Health and Safety and they have given it a case number.
1: No, oh, sure, like, that'll be way too late. I mean... Uh, but
6: Yesterday, I need this... It's last Thursday, I needed this sorted. So and we did contact the builder. And as I say, all we get is the work has to go on. My head office have contacted the builder. And same thing, work has to go on. But, like, it can't go on to the detriment of my staff...
1: I don't know how you'd resolve something like that, to be honest with you, because um, you, you could well, you like, could go legal if it's above the, the acceptable level of noise.
6: Yeah, yeah. See, I, I talk, just thought if they could even do that noisy work, maybe 7 to 9 in the morning, 6 to 10 in the evening, like normal work could go on there. We've no problem. I know we probably still have a bit of noise, but noise you could put up with, you know. It's the It's this level of noise that we can't deal with.
1: Yeah, I don't know what you're going to do now, but you're literally closed for business now because of this. We're
6: closed for business because of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, it was just the last resort this morning when they said a couple of days. They couldn't even say, like, you know, like even if they were able to say to me today, look, oh, we're going be an hour at this now. You could deal with it for an hour. But you cannot deal with it. But it's it.
1: like torture, really, isn't it? It's um, it, is. it really it is. is like the yeah. whole the, yeah. con- the it's constant. It's constant. Yeah, it we we did we yeah. did email them. I don't have a number for them, but we certainly did email the builders this morning. I've heard nothing back, but happy to give them a call uh, if you think that might make a difference. I'm not saying they'd listen to the likes of me. I don't know. Maybe other people would. Anything might have is advi- wor-
6: Yeah, anything is worth a try because they won't
1: listen to me. And you went out as well, did you?
6: No, my the girl is managing the place for me. She went in this morning, She went in on Thursday, and she did ring the builder on Thursday. But all she got was work has to go on.
1: Was it even, sorry about that, we really will do no, it as quick as... No, 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 nothing.
6: And the builder did tell our area office that he would call in, and he hasn't appeared near us.
1: Okay, so if nothing changes, you're not opening till they stop the noise
6: we can't like I have to say I usually care to my staff I can't let's give them a, let's see if you have
1: a number we we'll give them a call see what they have to say if maybe some other plan can come up with you know never know Yeah, it, here it is. oh no I'll, I'll take the number off oh. off the air Mary so hold on there if you don't mind anybody been through something like this it's, it's, it's a very difficult one to navigate isn't it the work has to be done it will involve loud noises because some of it will be structural so you're going to be using fairly heavy duty equipment from time to time but Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday I don't know if they work the weekends or could go in earlier I mean how would you resolve this text 0868104106
4: get it off your chest Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818-104106.
1: Red FM. Help for the Kozlowskis in Middleton. Marcin Kozlowski was on the air with me this morning as I was saying regarding his son's diagnosis of um, uh, you know uh, ever spreading cancer. Started in the bones bone cancer then to his lungs and now unfortunately to his muscles Um, Kieran uh, Barry at Living Dreams Furniture and Bedding uh, down in Little Island says pass on my number I'll do what I can Uh, offers for Middleton family Jim O'Keefe and Sons Building Contractors and Bishops have doors and architraves that they can donate but they would need to be uh, collected Uh, in fact I think he is giving an offer for um, you know the Middleton Flood victims as well. Um, I listened to the end of Neil's conversation with a gentleman whose name has been, whose home has been flooded and is also has a very sick child. My heart is broken for them. Is there a donation link or could I send a voucher says Julianne. Well this is, there. I don't know that there isn't a, a donation link. I mean this this literally started only in the last hour. It's very interesting, you look at the Middleton scenario in general. Pat says uh, the videos and pictures coming out of Middleton and floods aren't a million miles away from what we see in the news from other countries um, and when that happens our government sends millions of to those countries without asking for any means testing or putting a limit on the amount of money that people can get for help why doesn't our government that we pay for do the same for our own why are we talking about means testing and why are we talking about a cap on the money available to put things right as in homes and businesses it's a very valid point you know I I think that maybe you make a valid point in the sense that we'll means test you uh, and if you're earning too much paddle your own canoe literally uh, and then with regards to businesses, you might have 200,000 euro worth of damage done, but we're only giving you 80, so that doesn't happen really, does it, when they're looking at maybe aid overseas um, Anyway, I'll come back to all of that, text 0868104106, now uh, I know lots of different uh, stories are, are floating around this morning probably shouldn't use the word floating when you talk about flooding in Mallow, but Christmas is coming. coming. The goose is getting fat. And there's a big event planned in Photo House. Uh, Red FM has actually been involved in a lot of the work that's been done down through the years for the Cork City Hospital Children's Club. But they're in need of a little bit of help. So this year... Um, they uh, are doing things quite differently uh, and a lot of things have changed actually since since COVID. Uh, but the, the big days of the Christmas extravaganza will continue with all of the proceeds going to the Cork City Children's Club. But let's find out ex- exactly what they need with regards to the help that's, um, that's being required. John Looney from the Cork City Hospital Children's Club is a regular contributor, always willing to help in any way, shape or form when we need help, sends lots of kids and families off to, to Euro Disney. He joins me by phone. John, good morning. Good morning Neil, how are okay, you? Okay, so what's the plan this year? Where's the location?
9: Uh, basically, Neil, IN Flynn from Parky Keeve got in contact with us there a couple of months ago and said like he heard about us,
1: you know, looking for a so new the venue, yeah. venue. Yeah. So he came
9: on board and we went through we had one or two meetings with him and lo and behold, we're after getting Parky Keeve for our Christmas this year. Isn't so that unreal? Because this
1: will be the first one since two thousand and nineteen, was everything stopped. Correct, yeah. Unfortunately, Covid. Remember all those pictures on TV
9: of the children looking out, waving out the windows and yeah. all that? Yeah. Well, those children will be taking out of their houses and they'll be coming down to Parky Quay. Well, that's Santa Claus
1: didn't let them down during Covid and Santa Claus won't let them down at Parky Quay either. Like, that's a super venue. Is that That's an indoor venue, is it? It's an indoor venue and it's in the copper suite upstairs all wheelchair
9: accessible wheelchair toilets, which is fantastic for us okay. the will be on and everything else What's the Christmas
1: exav- extravaganza like? What goes on?
9: Well basically what's going to happen here we'll be leaving Nemo Rangers hurling football club on uh, Wednesday and towards the morning and we'll be getting a guard escort with Cork City Fire Brigade and the Air Force Police and the guards themselves obviously and we'll be leaving but we'll be going through Patrick Street with balloons and sirens and everything else and we'll be heading down to Parky Key, And then down to Parky Quay, we'll have a choir to greet us coming in, and then we'll go up the lifts into the, the streets above stairs, and the man himself will be coming down all the way to the North Pole, himself and Mrs. Starr, <laughs> in a <this> special sitting.
1: Perfectly, <laughs> perfectly. And this is all ch- children, of course, who are uh, going through all sorts of different uh, illnesses and, 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 and sickness and need a bit of a cheer-up, isn't it?
9: Uh, correct. And some of the children older are going, like, they wouldn't be able to visit Santa Claus on their own because of their illnesses. They have to be kept separated, you know, from other children and all that. And we also do a session for the Cork Death Association. And um, Mrs. Claus herself is also a prominent sign language interpreter herself. Of course She's she is. She's an amazing is. woman.
1: Magic people so are
9: there. So she is with Santa and she can sign language, sign for the children. And that's where we can go ahead with that one. OK,
1: so how long will it go on for?
9: It will go on for two days. It will go on on the 29th of November and the 30th of
1: okay. November. And what do you need with regards to help from the public?
9: Well, basically, as it's a new setup and everything is new, and obviously, we're very vulnerable children, we have to get stuff new. So, basically, what we're looking for, we're looking for 10 seven foot artificial trees. Christmas trees. Christmas trees. Yeah. We're looking for 40 sets of white lights, bobbles, stand up Santa Claus, the reindeers, you know, for the centre Room. Yeah. We're looking for five or six large rolls of robe, robes lighting for around the centre room and party room. We're looking for one bench and chairs for Santa's room itself. You know, where the family kind of sit down while Santa's talking to their children. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. sit down themselves, kind of light furniture or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And and also we're looking for any pizza company to come on board just to supply pizzas just for the children, not forget it, just for the children on both days as well
1: Okay, um, so pizza company bench and chairs for Santi's room for the families five large rolls of rope lighting for around the grotto itself and the room and the party room 40 sets of white lights for the trees and 7 foot artificial trees Ten of them would be fantastic. Um, let's, let let's put it out well, it's out there now. Let's see who responds. There are an awful lot of companies on Lee Side with the run up to Christmas. I know some I mean, I know Hanley's Christmas shop is already open at the Kinsale Road Ronda, sure. but I'll be twisting Jim Hanley's arm for you for a few bits and <laughs> pieces anyway to start with, and he's Absolutely. very generous. So if there are other companies also who might be involved in selling all of these for the Christmas market, let's see if they'd like to come on board for the Cork City Hospital okay. Children's Club. All right. Okay,
9: and I'd just like to thank Aled Williams and Bus Aaron as well and again, I and Flynn from Parky Key, they're after going way above board as it is, even as we speak. Now very, if people, well,
1: happy. fair play to them for all coming on board. If people want to get in touch and help you out for the requirements for the 29th okay. and 30th, will they contact you?
9: Yeah, they can, yeah. No problem whatsoever.
1: Okay, and can I give out your 087 number? You can, of course. All right, no John. Okay, I'll keep a close eye on this in the coming days, all right? OK, and thanks very much, Neil. To, oh, listen, John, also, just another thank you for the offer of the Disney World, the Disneyland ch- trip to the Fuller family. Thank you so much. Yes. Their husband in the family, Sean, is living with terminal cancer. That is very kind yes. of you. I really do appreciate and it.
9: That's up and running. I was speaking to the family now myself. Please. You're unbelievable. But You're a diamond. Said, You're a star.
1: Thanks, John Looney. Take care thanks for now. Thanks very, very much, If Neil. anybody thinks they can help, you'll be helping the children of Cork have their very special day at Porky Cueve for the Christmas extravaganza. You can get in touch with John Looney on 087 Nine four nine two three five zero eight seven two nine four nine two three five, or indeed, if you want, you can get in touch with me. You probably know my number as well. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six, and I'll pass on the help to John Looney, and we'll keep a close eye on that in the coming days. Now, before I love you and leave you for the day that's in it, can I please have a quick word with Jara Hearn, the Cork singer-songwriter? Jara, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I want to give away four pairs of tickets to an event that I know absolutely nothing about, apart from the fact that it features Grand Theft Auto and it's a big gig of the weekend in the PAV. What's it all about?
11: So, Grand Theft Auto, Vice City, uh, it's coming up to its 20-year anniversary. Uh, It's a big nostalgic gig. It's based in Vice City, which is a copy of Miami. And the songs are all number one hits from the 80s. Like... Uh, that's
1: to one. Toto, my friends. Uh, uh, Blondie, don't Atomic. Don't, yes. Stand out. Uh, Blondie.
11: To
1: Paul and run Gonna run to you, Brian Adams. How did I do?
11: That's absolutely... You've nailed it on the head,
1: (laughs) Neil. My heart was pumping thinking I missed one of them from the 80s. So the the music is played by what? Band? So
11: it's a 10-piece band from musicians (laughs) from all over Ireland. And they're coming down to me this time now, Neil, in Cork. So we need them to show up and show them what we're all about. Um, But we've covered Galway, Belfast, Dublin. uh, And the plans are the UK and out for the following year. But they're coming to the pavilion in Cork and... I was just hoping to get the word out there for the Jazz Fest to let people know that it's happening. What getting. a
1: great venue. I haven't been in there yet, but I think Benny's done an awesome job, has he?
11: Absolutely. Um, the roof is fantastic. It's still the exact same as it always was. It's kind of got this new modern look as well to it, and but still kept the key elements, I suppose.
1: So this is reliving the glory days of Grand Theft Auto. Is this on a big screen and people watch the gold, the game unfold, the, you know, to the band so playing the, the hits of the 80s? The intro
11: will start and there's a big screen on the back. You come dressed in your best 80s attire or mafia gear from the game and the game will start And every mission that consists of one of those number one 80s uh, songs that we played uh, and the whole game plays out in the background while... Um, while the band plays the music and you can dance and sing along to all your favorites and, and live like you just bought your brand new PlayStation 2 back in two thousand.
1: <laughs> Be interested to see people dressed in eighties gear, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh I've got I've got a big sparkly jazz three piece suit ready to go. And a and a thin tie, I suppose. Yeah. You have to get yourself uh, a little pencil mustache to go with it. And a mullet. <laughs> absolutely. That's what
11: it's all about. Get your it's your best attire on and come out and join us for a, for a party, I suppose. All right.
1: Where are the tickets
11: on sale? You can get them on Eventbrite. Just head into Google there and type in Grand Theft Audio, the Pavilion Cork, or you can find us on Instagram at Grand Theft Audio. And uh, that's about it. And thank you so much. Not Neil, at all. Uh, I mean, that's love... a
1: game that continues to be very popular, Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto. is not it? in spite of what did so, you say, 20 years
11: this is um, as you said we've got a new one now hopefully coming out next year but this is the one that started it all and if there's people in their 30s and 50s or whatever age this game is still a classic and people are buying it all the time and uh, you can re- re- revisit the memories and do you play? I'm fronting the band I'm fronting the whole thing yeah, with but I know I know you are
1: but are you? do you play Grand Theft Auto like do you set aside 5 or 6 hours at night and just kept to be dragged away from it?
11: I've got a big addictive personality I'm, I'm currently working at the moment and, and I try my hardest to stay away from it <laughs> um, because it will take away from my uh, from my college work
1: <laughs> Alright man, well you'll be in good voice then That's on uh, Friday That's on night on this Friday at 7 o'clock Okay, let me open the phone lines for that Thank you for the tickets, I appreciate it Ger Tickets available at Eventbrite, not a problem but it sounds like it's going to be a great night for the bank holiday Thank weekend, so Friday night Take care pal. stay in touch Come in and play someday, yeah? I would love to. We've got some new stuff coming up. I'd All love right. to see it. Okay, well, the door's always open. You let me know when it suits. Take care for now. Thank you so much. Ger Hearn, the Cork singer-songwriter. We've got two sets then, two by two, uh, to give away for that gig. Lines are open if you're a Grand Theft Auto fan and want to relive the 80s. Pick up the phone line now. Oh, it's f- four pairs. Wow! Even better. Well, let's do four pairs then. 0818 and you're off, but you've got to get the gear on. The 80s gear for Friday night, as well as everything else. For the rest who don't win, Event Pride are selling the tickets for the Friday night gig at the Pav on Kerry's Lane last bit of business I'll come back to everything else in the morning I was listening to the baked bean story you had this morning it reminded me of a story my father told me he was training with the ESB back in the 1970s and was renting up in Dublin with another fella a friend came to visit them one day and he said he was hungry so they told him go into the kitchen and heat a tin of beans in the saucepan You know where this is going. So off he went. After a while, the friend said, Could you go and check on those beans? So my dad's housemate went into the kitchen. The next thing he came back running in, shouting, Get out, get out, get out. And suddenly, too late, they heard a huge bang in the kitchen. The friend had only gone and put the tin of beans in the saucepan unopened and heated them up. And you know what happened the tin burst. It exploded. There were beans all over the kitchen walls, the ceilings, the door, the floor. That story is of my father, the great Tom Baldwin, and told by his daughter, Kira. <laughs> that clearly was a buddy who'd never seen a tin of beans before. I have more bean relays. Let me tell you the story. The fellow got in late one night into his pal's house, really, really drunk, got in the window and uh, got a little bit hungry, and went to the cupboard and took down a tin, him thinking that it was Irish stew opened the tin, put it into the saucepan and cooked it all up and had a good munch, went to bed, slept it off, came down the next day and somebody said, who fed the dog last night? Have a good day, I'll see you
4: tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.